The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. Nerdapalooza, the world's largest nerd music festival, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other fine Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Spuds, this is Jerry Casali from Devo, and I just want to remind you that the evolution is real, and you're listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show Prime, Nerdy Show's monthly blockbuster episode where we dig deep into a single nerdy subject, interview the biggest guests, and in some instances, you decide what we talk about. Deep. This is one such instance, and the topic is real-life superheroes and vigilantes. Hi, I'm Cap. Hi, I'm Hex. Hi, I'm Brandon. So I can't believe it, we're actually doing the superheroes episode. I know, it's been a while. It's I'm been excited. a long while. We got some dues to pay, so yeah. we're paying them. So wait, we're interviewing real people, not actors, not right. people in movies, real superheroes slash vigilantes. People yeah, that actually walk We're going streets. to be talking about... People that could get killed at any moment. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, in fiction, there's plenty of actual costume heroes, and it, recently it's become more prevalent to discuss what would happen if someone really, truly did attempt it. I mean, the obviously, and the down. Kick-Ass is probably the, the most clear-cut example of that. Right. What about Mystery Men? The different big difference between Mystery Men and Kick-Ass, Mystery Men, there was still a touch of superpowers there was you're right some of them some of some them. of them like with the original three mr furious the shoveler and blue raja yeah they all have no real powers Can their powers are their skills no but that's skill mm-hmm. that's skill sure. and with kick-ass there are no powers they are just straight up costume vigilantes they are only as strong as someone could become from training or right. getting hit by a car not feeling pain anymore I mean, yeah, they're, they're, there's they're, that too. Yeah, yeah that, that would help me. But that's different than like Mystery Men, where someone is cursed to have super also, farting the, power. The comic is slightly more grounded than the film, if you can believe it. Oh wait, no, I, I do, I do slightly believe it. Okay, but before we get too balls deep into this, we got to talk about the gentle people who brought this episode to you in August of 2011. Berto Elcon, Anti Luke, Hey It's Big Andy, and Twomper said, "Gentlemen, we want to support Nerdy Show." And we want you to talk about real-life superheroes and vigilantes. It was one of our Nerdy Show topic support drives where listeners got to choose a topic for a Nerdy Show Prime episode. And uh, the competition was steep. It was very, very steep that month. What was the date again? Uh, August 2011. And I just wow. want to let wait, that wait. soak then. Wait, it, I what know, year is I know. it? Let's, it's now 2013. Let's not dwell on the past. Sorry. Let's dwell on the present. <laughs> So yeah, what was competing with this? Mistakes were made, new leaves have been turned over. What what was competing with real-life superheroes? The Triforce Mike Atomic Robo Power Hour. If you remember that one, that came up a couple times, I think. Yeah. Does that not win? How does that not win? It came close, it came close. And uh, Nerdcore, the past, present, and uh, future of Nerd Music, which eventually did win, as well as Stop Motion Animation and uh, 80s toys and their associated cartoons. We got to give a shout out to everybody who contributed that month because you guys do all keep Nerdy Show alive. It was Connor Benson, Arceus, Darren Reed, Grant Hasted, Sage Zero, John Laval, Kausa Baloo, Larry Fine, Epidel, Ross Butler, Jonathan, and Stuart Edney. That's in addition to the fellows who funded this particular episode. And uh, Anti-Luke said, Real Life Superheroes is an awesome topic. 
Have you heard of the Rain City superheroes? They're a costume crime-stopping team up in Seattle. Though I think you might also want to include the wrong place, wrong time people who just John McClaned it when they had the chance. Ooh. And uh, you know what? We, what? Ha- we have heard of the Rain City superheroes. In fact, we got their leader on this episode. Mr. Phoenix Jones is going to be joining us. He is the most famous real-life superhero active today. And he kind of fits both roles. Yeah. Of the uh, walking the street and accidentally heroing. Yeah. You know, the, we got to talk about the difference between superheroes and vigilantes, and we'll get into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing, the reason people might know Phoenix Jones, I guess we should, we should, you know, talk about this, is that uh, in 2011, Phoenix Jones was publicly outed as a secret identity because uh, he fights crime on the streets. And uh, there were some people who he used a pepper spray on them because they were drunk and fighting. And they said, oh, no, well, we were just dancing. And then they brought some charges against him. And uh, as a result, he was arrested and, you know, and he had no choice. But therefore was, you know, propelled into fame and infamy. And, and now as a result, you know, when was he publicly unmasked? When in 2011? October, October 2011. So it was right after people wanted this episode That's yeah well cool. you know i just think it's cool that we're able to get it now when he's able to look back when yeah. they're able to look back on and being reflect unmasked. on how it's changed Apo- like because then it might have been a like a, a sore subject well yeah and, and maybe so a lot this of this is all done in purpose folks <laughs> we, we gave it some time we realized, the show. we realized there needed to be a little history behind it, it needed there needed to be time between yeah. now and then yeah. until it was appropriate to ask these questions right otherwise he would just been going too soon yeah. too soon so. <laughs> we're also going to be talking to master legend one of the uh earliest known real life superheroes active guy from orlando florida actually our hometown as well as pertaining back to mystery men bob burden the man who created mystery men the comics creator he's the guy who essentially founded the idea of the blue collar superhero even though the film is quite different from his comics the cons overall concept is not too dissimilar working class joes deciding to fight crime how well they do it well that's another thing altogether we're also going to be talking to some other real-life superheroes, including a couple members of the Skiffy Town League of Heroes, who is, are a multi-chapter nationwide group of superheroes with various causes all over the country, and a gentleman by the name of Pittsburgh Batman. Oh, snap. So in this episode, we're going to be talking to all those guys. We're going to be talking about uh, superheroes and vigilantes, past and present. And um, also, we're going to bring our SciTech correspondent, John, on the show to talk about um, possible real-world applications for uh, gadgetry and, and, and so on. You'll pretty much figure out from this episode whether or not it's worth it to become a superhero slash vigilante. It might not Spoiler be Spoiler it. alert, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> if you're committed and you want half of your life ruined, possibly stabbed or shot and burned alive, then yes, go for it. Yeah, go no, for it. Yeah. But if you're a rich billionaire who can cover yourself head to toe with armor and magic gadgets then go for it magic gadgets. magic gadgets there's a fellow out there named peter tengen who runs something called the real life superhero project and it is a website devoted to amazing photography and bios and so on of the nation's superheroes real life superheroes if you want to uh, check out an amazing library of real life superheroes and, and see some of the people were talking about this episode, then go to this episode's page and click over to the Real Life Superhero Project and the various pages we've linked to. It's an incredible resource for what's going on out there, both actual street crime fighters and people who use superhero personas for various causes. And a lot of these people, they're not just crazies that throw on outfits and like, oh, I want to do this because it looks cool. No, these people have backgrounds that are very, very either like terrible or they've gone through some sort of ordeal in order to get here. They didn't just one day go, oh, I'm going to fight crime. This Real Life Superhero movement is something that's 
definitely come about in force recently. And uh, it's only right that we look back and see what led us here. Not just Bob Burton uh, portraying the concept of blue-collar superheroes in the uh, early 1980s, but people actually putting on a costume and doing good. One of the uh, earliest real-life superheroes on record that I've read about is a fellow named Ozone, who's a, uh, a costumed environmental hero. Huh. I have to tell you, the first costume superhero that was discovered was <laughs> painted on the wall of a cave during the Paleolithic era, and he was basically wearing a raptor mask and went around clubbing bad people. Because obviously humans and dinosaurs live together, because that's what the Bible says. Uh, and is this a moniker that you will be um, taking on? No, absolutely not. So if you see a raptor-faced superhero clubbing people, it's not Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Ozone or Captain Ozone is from uh, Dublin, Ireland, and uh, he first appeared March 13th, 1989. Ooh. So pretty old. Now, Master Legend, who we'll be talking to shortly, he's been around a while too. Here's a quick highlight reel of some real life superheroes that we've come across. It's a fellow named Mr. Extreme. Dude wears uh, battle armor, these big goggles with eyes on them, and uh, a helmet. He looks Lots extreme. of stickers. He, he he looks, you know, he looks like like some kind of like, like, a, kind of like a punk a, rock army man, if you can. A punk rock general, military general guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's from San Diego, California, and uh, he organized a group of crime fighters called the Extreme Justice League. Together they go on -JL. patrols and participate in outreach efforts to boost volunteerism in the neighborhood and so on. He says, I think the most understood part of what I do with Extreme Justice League is saying that we're vigilantes. We're not that. We don't violate people's rights, and we're not here to look for fights. We're here to prevent crime and empower people to prevent it themselves by being seen. We're showing the community that they can take a stand, not be prisoners of their own communities. This is what you can legally do to prevent crime. Yeah, we draw on influence from those fictional comic book vigilantes, but we know it's real, what we can and can't do. So he's painting a very clear yeah, picture. Vigilantes there. are people that work outside the law, and they're generally yeah. frowned upon. I mean, th by that definition, that does exclude Phoenix Jones in a way, because Phoenix Jones does take it to the streets and does fight crime. Within, but, he also, but he does it within the law. Right. There's also people who take on personas that are, are definitely more specialized. Like there's a woman called Miss Fit who promotes fitness, mm. for example. You know, that's valid, but she, yeah. she has a super Kids need it these days. She has people use the superhero personas to promote stuff that's, you know, good. There's a fella who goes by the name uh, Zimmer Barnes. Barnes is his actual name, and I think Zimmer's a nickname, probably. But uh, but he's unmasked and also out of the closet. He's publicly gay guy. I don't know really know how that pertains to his identity outfit. at all. Outfit. I want to say he has the best shirt ever. Yeah, he, he keeps it simple. It's uh, it's an outfit made for for free running. His shirt has a bunch of zeros and ones down the side that actually it's binary. Yeah, it's, it's, it's binary it's his for name. the letter Z. It's just a Z. Oh, just a Z. Just a Z. Okay. If I, it was his name, it'd be a longer. Yeah, really, he's really into science and tech, so he's cool. <laughs> it's cool in my book. He originally operated in Brooklyn. Now he operates in Austin. And uh, he was part of the uh, New York Initiative who actually did uh, bait missions where one of them acted like an easy target for criminals to prey on and then they would swoop in. Sting operations. Yeah, he's also an EMT. And he was like, oh, I'm going to decide to be a free runner, learn gymnastics, do martial arts before I even try this superhero thing. So, you know, just a few, few basic things you got to work on. Yeah, I want to see the average person or the average listener or the average one of us just go, I'm going to just do gymnastics and get good at it real quick before I become a superhero. Well, what about you, Mr. One-Handed Backflip? Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> that ain't going to be me. Nope. We might be. Not nope. with that attitude. No, it won't. You guys want to talk about hardcore guys? There's a fella in, in British Columbia, uh, Vancouver specifically, called uh, Thanatos who uh, fights urban blight. He 
got this kind of cowboy outfit. He looks terribly with evil. A, with a green skull mask. Looks terrifying. Right. And he travels to the most dangerous intersections in Vancouver. A bit like Rorschach, almost, right? Yeah, a bit like that. And for those playing the home game, Thanatos is Greek for the word death. Or the main bad guy in Secret of Mana. True. <laughs> Certainly he must get in fights with people from time to time, but that's not what he's there for. He actually just goes to help people there. He, he gives food and warmth to the homeless and hookers and takes care of the, the people in the urban environments who well, are scaring the you know, fuck out of I was going to say, like, his costume is a bit creepy. and he's, It looks awesome, but like if he was going to give, say, a bottle of water to a child, the child may start crying. Hey, kid, have some water. Ah! <laughs> Take well, my I think, soul, death. I think when you've had it as hard as the people that he's helping, they um, don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, yeah. And they probably, and they, they work the same community a lot, so they get to know them. They know he's not a bad guy. He yeah. says, I've taken on the persona of death because I was told by a police officer that all the people living on the street had nothing better to look forward to than death. So if that's the case, maybe death ought to start taking care of these people, and it might send a message. They're getting it. They're getting the message. Damn. That's pretty good. Yeah, that guy sounds tough. Yeah. Do we know his real identity? Because he sounds like a poet, I would say. <laughs> There's also people who don superhero identities and do superheroic deeds, but are not, say, a street patrolling kind of folk. Like um, the Aquabats. The Aquabats. I mean, yeah, the Aquabats are a... God, they've been around for a while now. Yeah. Sometime in the 90s, I mean, they're secret, early mid-90s. I mean, they have secret identities. And yeah. they're superheroes. They got costumes. On paper. But yeah. in real life, well, in real life, they themselves have devoted their life to uh, improving people's lives, making fun, happy music, promotes a positive attitude towards things. And uh, uh, MC Bat Commander, his real life identity created Yo Gabba Gabba. Mm. You know, generally they're positive. They take all that uh, that kitschy superhero stuff, like membership cards and all all that stuff from, say, you know, a, a golden age sort of era hero, and play it up as either you know new wave or ska or the many different musical hats that they've worn over the years. You know, I. I I do consider them to be comparable to the blue collar superheroes and in many ways because there's a lot of people out there who uh, identify as real life superheroes who you know they simply do community work yeah see i don't think i could be a superhero i don't think i really have the heart for it yeah i don't think you're necessarily no. you know i'm sure unless it's for a bird cause i mean because the whole thing is brandon you're not really uh oh, what's the phrase could i go to south america in the rainforest you're and not... stop poachers from stealing parrots yes i could you're not what we'd call a good person what <laughs> Because seriously, Brandon, I, I just see you. You'd be... Am I more like the monarch? Well, see, here... If, yeah, if I'm you, not tall. If you did that kind of environmental activism the, with perhaps a costume and you were fighting poachers and stuff, that is super heroic. Mm. I don't care what your agenda is towards the humanitarian causes of the uh, the urban American. I don't care. But if you're out there wearing a cool costume, beating bad people up, then that counts. Are you yeah. Are you prepared to do that? No, not yet. <laughs> but someday. But maybe after a traumatic incident. I... Maybe had a few of those, but someday, maybe <laughs> after a few more, maybe after I've trained a bit, I'm a little uh, out of shape, need to get my uh, kung fu muscles back and grow my feathers out. <laughs> we'll see. I'll let you know when I feathers? become a vigilante. Rapper, um, raptor, rapture? Rap, what? Rapper, raptor, rapture. Rapper, raptor, rapture. Yes. Uh, There's no rapping involved. I just like the way that do, sounds. Do you, wrap up, do you wrap up poachers and tie them in trees in the jungle? Oh, I could use it with a W. I never thought of that. I am glaring. Rapper. I am glaring. Not a rapper like Yo Dog. I'm a rapper, but like rapper, like I rap stuff. I am glaring at Brandon. Rapper, Raptor, Rapture. Since the listeners can't see that. I'm the rapper, rapper. Well, I can't even say it. I'm the rapper, Raptor, Rapture. I'm glaring. I want someone to draw a picture of a raptor Don't do wrapping that. up a Christmas present. Dear listeners, do not encourage him. 
But it's got to look biblical because I'm the rapture raptor. Oh I'm the rapper rapture raptor. <laughs> and I want to wrap your world until the rapture. <laughs> I'm going to rapture your world. <laughs> There's one thing I don't oh. want. It's for you to rapture my world. Oh, I'm going to rapture your world. <laughs> I'm going to rapture your insides with my tongue. Oh, God. We're going to talk some more about uh, various real-life superheroes and dip into the vigilante pool all in due time. But uh, it's high time we had a song break. What do you got for us, X? Well, we talked about Aquabat, so we'd be kind of jerk faces if we didn't play the Aquabats. You're kind of a jerk face anyway. Hex, I think playing some Aquabats would be super rad. No, dude, you know what? I think that's what we'll play. Yeah. I think we should play the Super Rad. That's a good song to play of the Aquabats. Well, that's that not a response. Yeah, at all. seriously. <laughs> okay, here's Super Rad, guys. By the Aquabats. With us on the phone is Master Legend, one of the original real-life superheroes. Master Legend, how you doing tonight? 
I'm okay. I'm out on the streets right now, walking, walking the streets as I talk to you. Amazing. Amazing. Well, uh, what do you typically do on your uh, nightly patrols? Lots of different types of patrols. Tonight's just looking at an area where there's been some break-ins. Is that um, the sort of thing you do often? You like you look you look at crime reports and and decide where you're needed best. I hear things uh, from from friends of mine on the street. One of the best informants is uh, homeless people. They always know it's gone here at the, the gossip of the street. So uh, that makes I sense. I found out that there's some places being burglarized, and I'm not able to catch the thief right now. So I'm. Just looking around for clues myself. It's pretty dangerous out there. Do you do anything to just psych yourself up and get ready for this every night? Not really. It's just because it's, um, it's the only real life I have. Um, there's just living the Master Legend life every day. It's the same old thing. <laughs> Master Legend 24-7. I like that. That's awesome, oh, man. Oh, yeah. So I, I know that you've been at this longer than most other real-life superheroes. Uh, how long have you been doing this? 30 years, officially. Wow. 30 years. Wow, that's incredible. What got you started? I mean, what was year one Master Legend like? It all started from just being a badly abused kid. I found some comic books in the garbage can. That was my inspiration. And uh, I worked on it from there. And eventually, by series of events, maybe not just coincidence, but meant to be, some wild things happened to me that just led me into living the, the real life superhero life. I was out in the streets of New Orleans fighting and tackling down pickpockets and purse snatchers just for the fun of it. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Uh, that's... Out in the French Quarter, around New, New Orleans, Bourbon Street and all that. Yeah, that's really cool. Petty crime is a serious problem there, so that's cool that uh, someone was out there looking out for everybody. People were thankful, that's for sure. When did you uh, first take on a superhero persona at, you know, beyond just simply crime fighting? Like I say, it's like born that way. I was born with a veil on my face. It's a membrane that I was born with. It, it killed me, actually suffocated me, and I was revived. And if you check it out, there's a lot of people that are born with the veil. Uh-huh. And whoever's born with the veil has certain abilities beyond you know, just regular abilities. You get um, huh. some, like I have some psychic abilities and some extra powers that are led me into the lifestyle where a lot of the real life superheroes never say they have any superpowers or anything like that. But as for me, um, I have some enhanced powers and uh, I, mean, I always tell people about them. Yeah. I have people that come to me to, for me to give them the healing touch even. Really? Can and you do that? Works. Yeah. How does a healing touch work? I have um, the spirit to be able to destroy the evil. And so when um, somebody comes to me, I'm able to, I, like the ladies and all, I'll give them a hug or, or a man. I'll just put my hand on the shoulder and transmit the energy and, and into them that will destroy the evil. And a lot of times I may be affected by some of that evil and feel some of the pain and go through it myself. Mm. But I've helped a lot of people out through the years, even with cancer. There was a little, also another, a little girl had two holes in her heart. Yeah. This was an old girlfriend of mine, actually her daughter. And I told the mama, I said, listen, let's not have that surgery just yet. Let's give it one more week and let these doctors recheck her. I didn't know about it until I found out. And I, so I used my powers and thing was they checked her and the holes were gone. Wow. And the, the so girl got so scared of me to kick me out of the house. <laughs> <What? Wow. laughs> That's, That's ungrateful. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> so you basically take in other people's pain in order to heal them, and you, you take it on yourself. 
a lot of the time, yes, it's not completely, but yeah, you know, there is some sacrifice has to be made on a person's part, too. Hmm. It's not all easy, you know, like that mumble jumble they'll show you on church with people falling down all over the place and stuff like that. Do you perceive that the darkness in people is something that's that's greater than simply circumstance and, and evil? You're talking about, you know, uh, the people who you take down on the streets, people who become pickpockets and everything, are they corrupted by an, a greater evil? Oh, yes. Uh, yes, of course. Um, these days, the, the evil is taken over, and the evil is really in the greedy rich people, actually, the um, yeah. Illuminati and stuff like that. Now, I can go into a long story of going to the secrets of Metatron and Enoch, but if you've uh, ever heard of the Book of Enoch, I can explain a lot, of, lot to you the very sources and the origins of, of evil. Wow, mm. that's all new to me. That's, that sounds fascinating. Because you've been doing this longer than everyone, is, is there any one moment where you're fighting crime and it's just the moment that stands out more than any other moment, whether it's good or bad? One of my, my most favorite fights, um, I've been in many of them, but one of my favorite battles is when I battled uh, this monstrous child molester. Everyone oh, yeah. was afraid of him because he was, he was like Paul Bunyan, lumberjack guy. And, um, I mean, he was tough, but not tougher than Master Legend because I beat him up bad, knocked his teeth, lots of his teeth out, and had his head busted open the warps, and I had a hog tied. Wow. Um, I got rid of that child molester, but I wound, I wound up going to jail for that one. Oh, that's too bad. They got the charges on me. Awesome. Oh, good. That's great. And the, the old child molester, from what I know, he went to prison, but this was years back, and um, so now he's out already. Oh. I hear he's out in Texas trying to work out in some oil field. Mm. <laughs> so he's basically <laughs> trying to get away from you. <laughs> I think. He doesn't want to be anywhere near you anymore. He knows what'll happen. <laughs> yes, and um, I didn't even need the iron fist for him. I was able to summon this power, and I, I don't know if you know my story when I was trapped in, the, in a uh, mausoleum. I, I don't know um, that story. Long ago, I was out in New Orleans, and I already knew I had this veil power, but I was still trying to get more powers to fight evil. So I went to this grave of Marie Laveau, voodoo queen hmm. of New Orleans. Oh, wow. People mark X's on her grave, and they make wishes. My mom was a witch herself, and that's how I found out about it. So I went on over there, and I made my wish on the grave. I wanted super strength. I wanted to be like Spider-Man. That was really who I was wanting to be like. <laughs> and awesome. so I made my wish. I, did, I thought I was going to get some strength. I didn't feel it, you know? I was like, oh, well. I went exploring, and there was an open crypt. There was a mausoleum. You walk in, I walked inside. It's big enough. You can walk around in it. And I walked towards the back of it, and the iron door shut, slammed shut. And I was trapped in there, and there's this concrete so thick you could yell and scream. No one can hear you inside of those things. So maybe this was the test for me to unleash the power. So I knew there was only one thing to do. I'm making the story kind of short, uh, you know, but yeah. I, I, I said, if there's a time for the power, it's now. And I, I went and I ran at that door with a flying kick and I smashed it out of the concrete. The bolts just pulled right out of the concrete. And all that superhuman strength, like a cannon shot the door down. Wow. And yeah, and, 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 there, and there it was, even the iron metal door that was, that was old time, like, I mean, 1800s kind of stuff, and all was bent and all that from the kit. And I knew it then. I had tapped in to the true secrets of superhuman strength. So that comes in handy for me I every bet, now yeah. and then. When, when the danger is really up there, I, I can call on it, and that's when better watch out. 
<laughs> you were you were mentioning something about an iron fist earlier, and I'm kind of curious as to what that is. Oh yes, um, the iron fist is one of my weapons that I ma- I make myself. I smash cinder blocks with it. I have videos of me smashing cinder blocks with the thing. I made it way back 30 years ago, actually. Oh. Um, I was in a welding shop, and I made the thing. And one of my things I, I use, I've never really used it on purpose to go out hunting people down with the iron fist. But I have had to use it in a few fights. Hmm. One time, it was back in Louisiana, some, lots of fighting back there. It's a um, gang of guys came after me and a friend of mine, and I had the iron fist, and part of the battle went like this. He came at me with the baseball bat, and he swung it, and he didn't see I had the iron fist come up, and I just punched that baseball bat and cracked it in half in his hand. Awesome, And he wow. had that nub in his hand. He seen that iron fist, and I come sling it at him, and he went running for it. This big guy. And my, <laughs> a friend of mine, the hallucination, was with me, and he had the big old crowbar, and we just went running after him, and those guys seen, well... Better watch out. These guys are crazy. And <laughs> but then while we had our back turned, my friend, the hallucinations girlfriend, was on the phone. She was trying to call for some help. And this guy was coming up from behind her, and he had a pipe in his hand. And I jumped in the back of a pickup truck and bounced out of it. And then I come flying in the air and then smacked him right in his back with the iron fist. <sighs> and he went, Yah! and I hit the ground. And the pipe was down, and he was down, and by that time, we was on our way. We got out of there before, before the cops showed up. I think they were right around the corner. <laughs> by that time, we, we were out of there. Oh, that's say, it, that's it, awesome. It seems like you've seen a lot of action in Louisiana. What made you decide to come to Orlando? Well, out in Louisiana, uh, all four corners are starting to close in on me. Mm-hmm. And it was getting to be uh, a place where I, I needed to see something new. Yeah. Uh, I come out to Florida, and I've been back to Louisiana, but Florida just became a better place for me. I've seen I could actually do a lot here, you know, which I did. Um, some places so overrun in Louisiana, Master Legend can't even turn New Orleans all around with, without a little help. But I came here, and there was a neighborhood, crack dealers and all that stuff, and I've been able to clean plenty of that up. That's great. Homeless people, too, you know, try to help them all out. I can. Definitely. Yeah. Tell us a little about the the guy you uh, you, were, you said you were patrolling with. The hallucination. The hallucination, yeah. Um, I, I'm not familiar with him. What's, uh, what's his story? We go way back. He had a wild suit that I helped him design that was um, made with some flashy material and reflectors and silver reflected stuff. And we had these things with his, uh, by his eyes that, that shot out these lights. So when you come out of the dark out there in Louisiana, people could think they were hallucinating if they seen seen him what he looked like. So that's how that's he really, really cool. got the name the hallucination. We used to have to battle some um, fighting gangs. The early original Justice Crusaders. We were out there fighting in the streets, you know, just for the fun of it back in them days. Wow. Well, it wasn't like we were picking a fight, but we knew people needed help, and we were out there looking for who wants to fight, you know, we're, we're ready to fight. And there was plenty of it um, back then. Riots breaking out back in those days. Out here at these times, I don't run into so much fighting. My last battle, I just got done playing the Master Legend show with my band, the Master Legend Explosion. These guys wanted some trouble and um, tried to come after me after the show was done. And, well, it was too easy. <laughs> the one guy come out and hit me, bang, one punch, he's down on the ground. The other guy comes from behind, I give him with an elbow across the jaw, bang, on the ground. I'm like, come on, get up, fight. 
You wanted to waste my time like this? You know? Wow. No fight. They sure could talk. They could sure uh, say a bunch of stuff um, while I was trying to do my, my show. We did uh, not know you had it, a band. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that at all. I, I got video of it. Awesome. Just Google "Whopping Thirst." Okay. Whopping Thirst. Okay. And you and you'll see me perform the, the smash hit "Whopping Thirst." No, you, you really are the stuff of legend, man. Like a crime fighter, uh, all, the, all the spiritual side, rock star, and that's incredible. That's that's amazing. Just goes to show you, you just have to um, live the life if you if you can without other people just telling you what to do because. There's many times people try to stop me, trying to tell me, you know, oh, you're, you're doing this. A lot of those people that try to give me advice are dead and gone or they're all messed up somewhere. But I'm still doing my thing and I'm glad that I do what I do, you know. Women have left me and all that stuff. That's okay. Many more are lining up. <laughs> awesome. So there, there's a there's quite a few fans who who always have had dreams of being a superhero or vigilante, and that's not necessarily a good thing, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Is there any advice you could give them? Got to realize, criminal mind, dangerous one that has no regard, no regard in a dangerous world. You got to learn the ways of the streets before you throw on the suit. Learn the ways of the streets and the criminal minds. Go to places where there's criminal activity. It's usually like labor pool places. And go, go work at some labor pools or go uh, downtown where the soup lines are, the missions and the shelters and all that. You'll learn about people, how to, how to tell the difference. Because one glance, people would say, oh, look at all them. They always place everyone in the same boat, you know. Mm -hmm. Got to learn how not to place everyone in the same boat and um, realize that everyone's different, but some of them are that criminal element that are dangerous. I've got so good I can just tell what the right twinch of an eye. Somebody's even, but that's, a lot of that has to do with my veil power too. I can tell um, the dangerous ones. That is good advice. Like people should really know, you know, what it is they're protecting and who are the people who need it the most. Yeah, so that's that's really do good it because you just want to fight people. Yeah. You do it for the right reasons. Yeah, you have to be aware of a lot of psychology. Yeah. A lot of psychology involved, you know, be able to be on your toes at all times, looking behind you all the time, almost more than you look forward when you're especially patrolling the streets and the dark streets. Because people will follow you. There's been times and they think they're clever and will jump behind things and all that. So always be looking behind you. Another good tip. Hmm. Never in a fight and um, there's not a lot of people around and you're about to get swing and hit somebody and the first one that, that wants to hit you, you hit him and then quickly turn around and, get, and have another punch ready because you can guarantee you somebody's coming from behind you at that same time. So there you go. You get the two-punch whammy in. There yes. you go. That'll get you, uh, get you ahead of the game. Always be looking behind you. Awesome. There's okay. a good tip. Awesome. Taking uh, notes from this. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Master Legend. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, and good luck with the uh, with the burglaries. Hope you get that guy. Yeah, never know. Might catch him tonight. Right now, we're going to talk to some more real-life superheroes. These guys are a bit different from the other fellows we're going to be talking with this episode. These are two members of the Skiffy Town League of Heroes, Stormbringer and Kulon. And Aaron of a comic shop uh, and I met up with them at last year's Megacon. They had a, a booth there where a bunch of heroes were uh, people in costumes mm -hmm. had basically a, a space set up for young kids and so on to play. And I thought, well, okay, there's all, all these adults dressed up like superheroes. What's up with this? So we, we talked to them and these two particular members 
They've got quite a story to tell. Guys, this is Cap and Aaron. And we're at Megacon right now, where the Skiffy Town League of Heroes has a booth set up. I'm here with Stormbringer and Kulon, and they're a different sort of superhero organization than the ones we've been talking about this episode. Guys, what is the Skiffy Town League of Heroes? Well, Skiffy Town League of Heroes is a rather loosely affiliated group of charity-based and community outreach heroes. We're spread across the country working in local affiliations. Uh, many of us have different causes that we promote. Some are raising awareness of breast cancer, juvenile diabetes, others. In my case, my group, the Maryland Defenders, uh, runs animal shelters, and we take care of uh, feral cats and dogs, spay neuter for low-income families. Everybody kind of has their own little thing, but we work under the blanket of the Skiffy Town Charity, which is mainly a, an organization for children. And so it's a national organization? Yes. You've got chapters everywhere. They're pretty well spread out, yeah, some larger than others, but yes. And where are you based out of? I'm based out of Maryland. I'm also part of the Maryland Defenders. We both run what they call Sanctuary Animal Rescue. How does the Skiffy Town Charity work with all the different chapters, and how can people join up? Joining up simply is a matter of ask us. It's not like some kind of weird secret top, you know, Illuminati thing or anything. Really? Oh. I know, I know. <laughs> Takes all the mystique out of it. No, uh, basically, <laughs> anyone, that's, anyone who's truly interested in being a part of what Skiffy does, and you don't even have to be a, a super to do it, you would just go to our website, which is skiffydownheroes.org, and find out more about the organization and places that we do things. We have what are called the Roundups, which is what Megacon is. Basically, we have people from all over the country, from the different groups, will fly in for major events. So we aren't always all in one place at the same time. Almost never, really. Only about a few times a year do you really have all of us together. For a big crossover event. Right. <laughs> all the Skiffy Town heroes that I've seen here each have completely unique costumes. They're all handmade, but they're all really well done. They're really cool. I assume you all kind of have an idea of what your superhero backstory is, maybe Secret Origins or something. Oh, yeah. Could you guys uh, maybe go into that a little bit? Uh, well, the joke is is that ours are actually, the origins are tied together in ours. Yep. The, the origins of my character is that I am the, uh, the Stormbringer is the child of prophecy, born to the last true shaman of the Cherokee Nation. And uh, as the character was raised, you found that the character could also speak Gaelic and had uh, elemental powers, uh, be able to control wind, weather, storms, ergo Stormbringer. Uh, somewhere down the line, you find out that she can astral travel and gets tricked by a bunch of eco-terrorists into blowing up a uh, military lab. Well, they're trying to create the perfect soldier. Yeah, thanks and, for that, by the way. <laughs> which creates this poor guy who was on guard duty, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, my character, Kulan, was born from her meddling with things, and I found out that the reason I was on guard duty at this base was when I was in Afghanistan, I lost my service animal, which I actually believed had happened. And once she caused a ruckus and blew up a secure military installation, I find that my dog has actually been experimented on for the last five years, and I've been working in a hellhole <laughs> the entire time. The only jarhead there bound a bunch of army guys, but the gases from the experiments caused our consciousness and bodies to merge. So now my dog, Hildy, is in my head. Every time I try to do something bad, try to take out a bad guy the way a Marine would do, all of a sudden I get this no kill in the back of my head. I'm like, excuse me? And I'll be seen looking on the ground because I can see her. No one else can. So I look like an idiot yelling at the ground and there's nothing there and the bad guys are fighting like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Oh, they're distracted. Is that good? I knocked him out. You happy? Yes, fine. Okay, thanks. And at one point I almost tried to kill her 
because I finally caught up with her and she was going to let me do it. She said, if you feel the need, do it. And I couldn't. The storyline we created for these two characters, like I said, because they're entwined, the storyline is a very existential storyline. In the case of my hero, one of the things I'm doing with mine in real life is what I call the esoteric hero. My character is Native American as well as, as Wiccan. It's a way to sort of create a character of understanding for people that, these are two very misunderstood groups. And it's a way for me to try to get some knowledge out there so that people can get a better conception of what it is that these belief systems are about. So there's a lot of that that goes on in our stories. That's about a thousand times more detailed an explanation than I expected. Yeah, and it also kind of ties into what you guys do for the charity. That's really cool. Um, with these characters that you've created, I mean, there's so much detail. Are, does it go only as far as the costumes, or are you guys, like, working on a comic book based on the characters? or like? Is, uh, well, we are, on? in fact. We are working on a graphic novel that, uh, once we have that completed, we're going to be selling it to raise money to support Sanctuary. Basically, it's the first, it's like the 18-chapter origin stories for both characters entwined, called The Coming Storm. It's still being worked on... I don't have any release dates for it. But, yes, that is a a plan. That's really cool. That is cool. I like that, you know, like a lot of creativity. It's it's the charity. Each person can plug in and do whatever they want for a charity and everything. It's the real-life superheroes that, you know, I've interviewed, like Master Legend. It just seems like he has mental problems. We've actually met up with him a few times. He's an interesting guy. He is. uh, I'm not going to take anything away from the RLSHs. As said, I mean, Mm -hmm. they do what they believe in. And they do it with everything they've got. Right. Same thing for us. We put 110% blood, sweat, and tears into what we're doing. It's not as exciting, but it is just as important. But it makes the charities more exciting by doing that angle. And that's cool. And it just, and it just helps them. And right. that's the biggest thing. Whether it be for a dog, a cat, a child, uh, adult, it doesn't matter. As long as we can get that help to them. That's what we're here for. So I heard some interesting terminology in the uh, RLSH, which I assume stands for real life superhero. Like that slang words and abbreviations. Like and stuff like yeah, that. Like, is that is that common in uh, in your guys' work? I don't know if it'd be common. I mean, a lot of the RLSHs are actually kind of turning away from the uh, the terminology. Actually, if you go on some of the the forums and some of the discussion areas with a lot of the patrollers, they're kind of starting to back away from RLSH. It's starting to take on a bad connotation, I think. Hmm. You look at, you know, there's certain characters out there right now that are I don't know. I mean, let's face it. We all know who Phoenix Jones is, right? Uh, right. Not a very well-loved man among the RLSHs, which is a shame because personally, I give the guy a lot of respect. He's got more guts than I do. I'm not that kind of hero. Same time, though, he's not doing us any favors, and so he's not a lot of love for him. And because RLSH has been attached to him and others like him, a lot of the work at other communities trying to move away from that term. What are some exciting like success stories with the Skiffy Town heroes, say, in other chapters, or, or even like in your chapter? Well, like the Maryland Defenders, we've had lost animals have actually become a big thing with us, finding lost pets. I think probably the greatest success I think we've had, I, I, I'm still stoked on this one, was uh, Mission Penelope. Yes. Short version of this is uh, we focus mainly on low-income neighborhoods, and one of the girls that lives in this neighborhood, her house got broken into. The only thing they stole was a puppy. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, a puppy. Can you believe this? They went past the computer, the laptop, the money on the cat, and sold a dog. The dog was stolen and sold. This is what people do there. Oh, man. And it took us two weeks to the day. We found the dog. And we were able to bring her home. That's cool. I mean, that's something where, you know, I don't know if the police officers would really take the time to do all that. And it's something that actually is a real-life superhero-type thing to do. I mean, that's awesome. The police took a report, but they didn't act upon it. Dogs considered property, and its value wasn't enough 
monetarily for the police to pursue. Wow, that is a that, cool story. That is a really cool story. <laughs> so what do you got for us, Hex? All of these superheroes and whatnot, they kind of have this very DIY ethic about everything that they're doing. Truth. They got to train themselves. They're making their own costumes. There ain't anyone else looking out for them but themselves. Justice. So I thought it was appropriate to bring out the Adam Warrock track DIY because <laughs> always whipping out Adam Warrock. You yeah, know of course. what? I ain't going to complain. I ain't never going to complain. It just goes along to but, following but some, your passion. But some night, Hex, some night, because you love Adam Warrock so much and you're always whipping out Adam Warrock, I really sincerely hope that someday we're talking and all of a sudden you just like open up your coat and there's Adam Warrock in it. And he literally just pops out of my, hey guys, and, what's up? And then he whips it out. If you keep whipping out Adam <laughs> Warrock, you're going to go blind. I'm just saying. You're going to get hairy palms. You and Adam sitting in a tree. F-U-C-K-I-N-G. R-A-P-P-I-N-G. First comes the tip, then comes the shaft, then comes the balls and blood from the ass. Let's cut that. Wow. that too. I don't want that. I thought we were just talking about plain Jane intercourse and then it went to a dark place. Anyway, here's Adam Warrock's DIY. on hip-hop ain't doing the same as the other people out there without care for what you think rap should be you know the name is the a to the d to the a to the m rap so dope and i don't give a damn maybe like oh we don't sound black enough snap maybe y'all should be backing up because i dropped an album now a bestseller dropped another mixtape no it won't let up every single day i wake up red letter anybody hating on this do better because you've never seen an mc with so much ability work productivity geek credibility sleep with the chivalry humble with civility don't want to believe in me y'all cats are killing me you see that? I just rocked a whole damn album with beats you never thought could be rap, so believe that. And anyone who hasn't read the books they're based on better read that. Big ups to Oni Press, and I'm coming for your record collections at every comic convention in 2011. I'm telling you, punks, you're not ready. Skippity beat bop bam, or what's And if you're feeling the same, go on out and do the damn thing. Take those records off of the shelf. Everything you do, gotta do it yourself. And if you got a dream you want to achieve, get up, get on out, and do something. Take those books back off the shelf. Everything you do, gotta do it yourself. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Every single time that I save these clothes, the people want to know when I'm rocking a show at your local comic store, so live in stereo, or maybe on the West Coast. With Kirby Crackle, thanks for letting me hop on stage for the chance to rap to everybody who cheer for Roll Over. Big ups to Beefy, Nerk, or Take Over. Thanks to Dale Chase and Dual Core. Fans of Tribe One, there's much more in store for the next album, the next leg of the tour. And Ruckus always bringing the beat so hardcore. Big ups to Johnny Wander, LBFA. Soon we're on top and we're making headway. Agreeable comics and the action age. I'ma shout you all out when I'm rapping on stage. It's a family thing. A rising tide floats all boats and that's all that she wrote. Cause while I could easily rap about hostility, rather make the art that's mixed with positivity. And if you just want to create, do what you love and don't hesitate. And maybe one day you can make a mixtape about your favorite books without further delay. And if you're feeling the same, go on out and do the damn thing. Take those records off of the shelf. Everything you do, gotta do it yourself. And if you got a dream you want to achieve, get up, get on out and do something. Take those books back off the shelf. Everything you do, gotta do it yourself. Welcome back to Nerdy Show Prime, where we're talking about real-life superheroes and vigilantes. Right now, we're about to talk to the fella who more or less invented the concept of the blue-collar superhero, none other than comics legend Bob Burton. 
The guy is a uh, master of the strange, the unusual. And Tell cre- our listeners what he has done. Well, he's the creator of Flaming Carrot, <laughs> the the world's first surreal superhero. And in Flaming Carrot comics, the characters of the Mystery Men were debuted. A whole league of blue-collar heroes, regular people with, regular un- Jones. with unusual skills and attributes that uh, had them fighting crime in some really strange ways, and it turned into a major motion picture. In and the, had uh, a record for highest thousands. mortality rate. Yep, highest mortality rate, those heroes. <laughs> so I'm thrilled that we're going to be talking to Bob Burden. This is going to be awesome. And uh, it's like a dream for you. It is a dream, a dream realized. Uh, So to get everybody into the mood, to get everybody who's not familiar with the Mystery Men comics and everything that they represent uh, hyped up, I've uh, put together a a little presentation for you. So here it is. Here come the Mystery Men, America's second string blue collar brand X superheroes. Brawling, blasting roughnecks from the middle towns and boondocks of our nation. Who are the Mystery Men? Who are they, really? For every successful superhero who is belted by gamma rays, injected with magic ginseng, or, for instance, bit by a radioactive spider, there are many, many more who are not so spectacular. Take this spider boy, who eats insects, hides in crevices, and likes to scare people. Poor guy, not much of a hero. Or take Citrus Man. He can climb walls, grow up them like a vine. When a bad guy hits him in the head, he squirts them with orange juice. Why, I oughta. But still not bestseller material. The first official Mystery Men collaboration occurred that historical day when... Hello, Flaming Carrot. This is Mr. Furious. Yeah, story-possessing cars. I'm here in town and I need an extra hand. How about it? Within weeks, the Mystery Men were born. A bizarre hodgepodge of blue-collar heroes hot-dogging their way into America's One hearts. Soon their madhouse antics, freewheeling exploits, and blustering style was winning the hearts and minds of a nation. We're sure those smart boys in the JLA and the Avengers. We may not be good enough to join their stupid little games, but we can still fight and die with our boots on. They took on jobs no regular superheroes would touch. Like those wimpy vampires of Pismo Beach, California. And they don't even drink human blood. They go for chickens. Can you imagine that? Chicken-blooded vampires. Gee, a flaming carrot, I guess it's gonna be one of those nights. Dedicated, hard-driving, rough-necked crime fighters, they take on all comers. Monsters, communists, racketeers, ghosts, terrorists, serial killers, serial wounders, alien invaders, mad bombers, shoplifters, and even the arch-enemy supervillains of the vile brotherhood. When the bullets are flying, cities are burning, and people are dying, it's all for one and one for all. The mystery men stand together. They never leave a man behind. So, Bob, when it comes to blue-collar superheroes, I feel like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you essentially created the archetype. There were some other guys that may have qualified in Marvel and DC. They kind of flirted with the idea, but uh, when it comes to superheroes that are really in the dregs, seeing eye-to-eye with the common man, it was your creations. Yeah, they're working class guys. If you look at Marvel comics, you have Spider-Man, who was kind of, you know, middle class. He lived in the suburbs, you know, was not really dirt under his fingernails, blue collar. I don't know, Ben Grimm had a blue collar quality to him. Jack Kirby was a very blue collar guy. You know, he could have been a millionaire living in Hollywood, but he'd chomp on his cigar and he'd, he'd always be what he was. The whole blue-collar thing, you could say, how far back does it go? You go back to uh, Cincinnatus, who was uh, the guy that saved the Roman Empire 
he was just an ordinary farmer and uh, saved the Roman Empire. And then he came back and he pounded his sword into a plowshare. So anyways, uh, with the blue collar thing, I decided since you had DC superheroes and they were kind of like upper class, they lived in millionaire mansions and, you know, they, they drive around in limousines and stuff like that. And then you had the um, Marvel characters and they were sort of middle class. That was sort of the end run the Marvel pulled on uh, DC to make their characters more interesting. They weren't just these magical, seamless characters. They actually had everyday human problems that people could identify with. It. So I wanted to one-up both of them, and I came out with the um, lower-class superheroes, the working class. Have you uh, ever had any personal experiences with real-life superheroes or vigilantes? Not really. I've actually met some of these people at science fiction conventions and comic conventions that are, you know, along those lines and go out and patrol around and do stuff and... Have I ever myself gone out and patrolled around and done stuff like that? Uh, if I did, I, I couldn't talk about it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> One of the most surprising things, looking at Flaming Carrot comics and Mystery Men from a distance, is that uh, Flaming Carrot is about as, as strange as it could get as far as a character interacting with the world <laughs> and the world around him you know uh he meets death there's a, a mare with the baby's head a spider with diapers on uh his world isn't a normal world but in a lot of ways the core characters of the mystery men themselves are still really grounded in a sensibility that's very tied to reality despite all the crazy stuff that they go through when you chose to write those characters is it like sort of a, a freeform thing did you know that flaming carrot kind of needed straight men sometimes to bounce off of or where did they come from Flaming Carrot is his own character. In other words, there's nobody else out there quite like him. He's kind of unique, kind of like um, Kramer in Seinfeld, or, uh, you know, he's kind of a character actor type placement. But the thing you got to remember with Flaming Carrot is, is the background is that blue collar Milltown world, which I grew up in, which I lived in Sharon, Pennsylvania, Akron, Ohio, Pittsburgh. Buffalo, Milwaukee, you know, the great Rust Belt up north. And uh, it's kind of a uh, interesting background to set all this weird stuff in. If you just set it in suburban America, modern America, I think it loses something. There's sort of a um, extreme discordance that works really, really well when you, um, you know, throw that element in there. You know, an artist has to choose his uh, colors and his palette and his brush strokes and stuff like that. And that's just, just what I chose. And the other thing is you got to write what you know. So I kind of went for that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Many of the mystery men kind of have uh, varying degrees of mental stability. Do you have to be nuts to take on a job like that? Well, there's a certain, you know, the high concept behind Flaming Carrot sort of evolved into the idea that he went into a state of Zen stupidity to uh, <laughs> commit the acts of daring, do, and courage, and boldness that he did. And that made it kind of fun because at different <laughs> points in time, I was um, letting Flaming Carrot become less idiotic and more normal when he'd argue with people. And there was people in the strip that were weirder and stranger than him eventually. And there were certain parts where he was the normal guy and he would like have to argue with these guys and say, hey, listen, you can't put a mouse on a cow anymore. They just won't let you do it. And uh, <laughs> you know, I thought he'd want to do that in the first place. Is beyond me. And so he would like argue with Crowbone and tell Crowbone, who was a really odd character, not to do this, that, or the other thing. <laughs> It's been such a long time. There's been so many Mystery Men characters. Do you remember who the first one was that you created outside of Flaming Carrot himself? That's a good question. I was creating extra characters all along. Originally, Flaming Carrot was not particularly meant to be the main character. He just kind of became that. I was coming up with the idea of Mystery Men 
And probably one of the first drawings of a Mystery Man character was happened at, uh, I think it was at a Dallas con. 83, 84, 85, somewhere in there. I remember we were set up in the lobby outside the convention, and the dealers were inside and all the artists were outside. And um, I was set up next to the Hernandez brothers, and um, I had brought for them these little keychain flasher things with a girl in a bikini, and you'd, you'd turn it and the girl would wiggle around. It was kind of cool. So I gave one to Jaime and I gave one to Gilbert and Gary Groth was sitting there watching this whole thing and I felt bad because I didn't have one for Gary. So I said, uh, Gary, here, I got something for you. And I reached in my pocket and I pulled out a packet of Delta Airline sugar. <laughs> and I took out my refrigerator and I autographed it and gave it to him. It was kind of a meager prize, but uh, so later on I kind of felt bad that he all he got was this pack of sugar. So I was just sitting there and I drew this character, and it was the next day and I was kind of hung over. And I drew this kind of goofy looking character, and he had a first he was supposed to have a machine gun, and then it didn't look like a machine gun. It started looking more like a shovel. And it morphed into a shovel. And this is how you draw sometimes. You know, it's not a perfect world, and you start out drawing a cornucopia, and it turns into an Oldsmobile. I mean, you have to go with it. You have to stay versatile. And this is sort of one of the elements of surrealism, because I'll start out drawing something like, uh, I was drawing this drawing of Flaming Carrot, and I drew this little elf in the palm of his hand that he found in the woods. And later on, I'm looking at it, and I say, that looks like Abe Lincoln. So I drew it in as Abe Lincoln. And the basic idea I tell people is, I'd say, Here's Flaming Carrot. This drawing here is Flaming Carrot. And he went out in the woods with a treasure map. And the treasure map he bought at the flea market. And the treasure map was to a pork chop mine. So he's walking around through the woods thinking, oh, man, this can't wait to find this pork chop mine. I'll get the pork chops and I'll eat them with mashed potatoes and green peas. Oh, it'll be delicious. And uh, instead of finding the pork chop mine, what he finds is the uh, miniature Abe Lincoln in the woods. And boom, there was the story that became uh, the uh, annual just from that little, <laughs> wow. you know, side, side road diversion. But anyways, getting back to uh, the first Mystery Man, Gary's there, and I go, uh, Gary, uh, hey, listen, I just drew this character, and this is the shoveler. And when the, the bad guys are breaking into the building, and he gets up on the roof, and he shovels like cinders on him, and like, annoys the hell out of him. <laughs> and uh, that eventually became the character in the movie that was doing all, and I'll tell you, it was great when I got out there and William H. Macy was practicing with uh, the shovel and kicking it up. And I mean, he was really good. I mean, he, this was professional, constant actor. He owned that role. He really yes, did. Yes, he did. <laughs> and originally I wanted some kind of like fat guy like Ernest Borgnine or Vic Tabak. And then when I saw him in the rushes and everything uh, at the studio there, Ah, I says, this is great. This is fine. I, you know, go with it, man. This is fantastic. Not that I had any say whether they go with it or not. <laughs> this, this was Hollywood. They're going to do what they want, no matter what you say. And, oh, I also remember uh, the next day I showed up and uh, William H. Macy had a little Band-Aid on his forehead. And I said, what happened? And he says, well, I was practicing with the shovel last night and I hit myself in the head with it. <laughs> And I said, man, that's dedication. That's a man that's dedicated to his art and craft. Wow, yeah. It's weird because <laughs> it's it, great. It, it doesn't seem like today that anyone else could create characters like this but you. I think like if anyone else dared to create characters like this, they would be shut down immediately. But for some reason, you get away with it, and it's brilliant. Yeah, it's like I was always worried that somebody would show up at my house and knock on the door, and they'd take my glasses and step on them or something. <laughs> <laughs> That never happened, though. They must have got the wrong address. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I was actually curious. What was your level of involvement with the film, um, aside from creating the package of characters and stories that they adapted? 
actually, it's kind of strange because everything in the film is weirdly, if I look at it close enough and I watch the movie again, I can see where it's based on something that I created, but it's twisted and normalized and homogenized in some weird way. I don't know how to explain it. Like, for instance, I this one cover with Flaming Carrot, you know, it's the comic for people who skate and bowl at the same time, and there's Flaming Carrot with a bowling ball, but then they changed it into the bowler, and originally I had a character that had one her husband's super-powered costume in a divorce. <laughs> and she became the such-and-such, -and, -such, and he was, like, sitting at home, flipping the channels, watching television, collecting unemployment, and his ex-wife was out there running around. And that's how morphed it. Those two things got melded together and became the boy, which was a good character. But there's a lot of other stuff in there that, you know, you can see that could have worked, but it just didn't work. I don't know. I don't really think they quite understood. Uh, I wanted Michigan to be sort of like a combination of Repo Man and Lonesome Dove. <laughs> you know, something along those lines. And uh, they wanted sort of like a Hill Street Blues tone to it. You know, a little yeah. bit of fun and stuff like that. You know, sort of a serious type thing. And they wanted to get the kiddies in to see it. And so they had this ambiance or character that they went for in the film that threw it off. And they figured all we have to do is put Ben Stiller in it and it'll be like something about Mary. <laughs> you know, have to write yeah. that kind of stuff and put it in there. What they don't understand in Hollywood is it's the writing, not the actors, not the director. It's the story. And then the director and the actors have to interpret what's there. But if they don't have anything to start with, right. you know, what they're going to do. Well, I think the main problem was is that essentially you were, you were there for some reason overseeing everything, but they were going to do whatever they wanted regardless of what you said, essentially. I wasn't really overseeing anything. I was like the little kid in the grocery store <laughs> looking at this big pile of cans and wanting to pull one out without the whole pile coming down. See, that's, that's <laughs> the problem is that they don't even ask the writers how they would like it done or if they want to be involved most of the time. I had originally written in a number of revisions for Mystery Men. One of them was to make Mr. Furious more of a hard-edged character. Mm. And I had originally envisioned Rowdy Roddy Piper to be Mr. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> oh, I thought he would have been fantastic. And then also, um, you know, Ben Stiller would have been one of three guys that would be like uh, the young guy. Uh, you remember how in Repo Man, Otto was uh, the understudy of uh, mm. Harry Dean Stanton, who was this cranky, angry, middle-aged guy. Yeah. And that worked really well for me. And the original story that I wrote up, the story starts out and there's three superheroes that are uh, battling these bad guys in the middle of the street. Everybody's run away, cops have run away, people are getting blown up. And these are three entry-level superheroes. And one of them, the one with the most powers, gets blown away. So now the two other ones, two other characters, picture sort of like Maynard Krebs and Dobie Gillis are hiding out trying to just not get killed because their main guy got blown away with all the powers. And they have like, you know, really mediocre powers. Then all of a sudden, a car drives up with two or three mystery men in it. They come out and kill off the five or six bad guys and just wipe them out. And then the mystery men are there taking death cards and putting them on the bodies of the, uh, <laughs> the guys they killed. And they say to these guys, these young kids, they say, hey, listen. Look us up. Here you go. You know, kind of like Frank White in the subway scene in uh, King of New York. And then one of the guys are driving, Mr. Wayne driving away. He says, why did you give those two knuckleheads business cards? And he says, hey, listen, 
you know, we're in a big gang war, the bad guys. My original idea was have it be a gang war between the good guys and the bad guys. It's not the good guys trying to stop the bad guys from committing crimes. It's just out and out a gang war. Oh. Just, you know, drive-by shootings, blowing up each other's headquarters, this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> the way it worked in the movie uh, that I had envisioned was that Mr. Furious's girlfriend went over and started banging one of the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> and that would have been cool. That's what I started out with. We could have this really cool scene. Oh, yeah. The other thing I wanted to say was that I had envisioned Animal House as being sort of a model. You know how in Animal House they had Otter and uh, Flounder joining up, and they go in there and they meet all these guys. Well, they have a scene just like that where they go to the Mystery Man Clubhouse, and they're, like, cranking up, working on cars. They got grease all over them. And, you know, when they get in the rocket ship to take off they say strap your head in or else it'll break your neck all this other cool stuff that i had as far as you know ideas for this and then once they had the script i had other ideas and one of the things that was really cool that would have been my revisions was casanova frankenstein he's a real annoying character because <laughs> all the women fall in love with him kind of like liberace yeah now, liberace we all know he's a little white in the loafers but like these guys you know husbands in 1956 are sitting there oh look at my wife is in love with this guy liberace and he's like uh, plays the piano so well and everything and boy i wish my husband could be like that and so anyways <laughs> what's his name has this power over women you know this kavorka and Castle Frankenstein wins Mr. Furious's girlfriend away from him. He doesn't kidnap her. He wins her away. So Mr. Furious has to win this big battle with, like, these sort of lightsabers that, like, make you numb when you hit somebody with them. They're sort of politically correct, you know, <laughs> modern, uh, weapons. Of course, Castle Frankenstein excellent swordsman and mr Furious is doing the best he can but like his main arm his left arm is numb and he's having to fight with his right hand casanova frankenstein keeps coming at him going touche 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 and then mr Furious makes one lunge and he hits the toupee of casanova frankenstein and he says he goes touche 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 and he goes toupee <laughs> <laughs> they're watching this it's televised nationally and they go oh no the wing and all the men are sitting there with their beer cans like yes <laughs> wow. and then all of a sudden casino frankenstein just caves in and he just becomes an ordinary man and blows away like a piece of dust and just wanders off and that was the ending that i was going for in a way the other thing too that i wanted to correct was they have this thing called the Fraculator, which is yeah. one of the driving things to the plot. Well, it's going to blow up everything. It's going to turn the whole city into like, woo, what happened to um, Captain Amazing? And that was a really weird scene because that the whole tone of the movie changed when he got like fraculated. Yeah. They didn't have a sense of tone. If you're going to make a movie, there's a number of things you want to have in that movie. The more interesting the villain, the more interesting the story is going to be, number one. Yeah. And they came up with this character that had no motivation. He's a cardboard one-dimensional character. And in their little minds, they said, oh, he's iconic. Yeah, well, maybe so, but that doesn't matter. I mean, give me a good villain any day of the week. In my particular situation, what I wanted to have happen was the Fraculator is about to go off at midnight. Casanova Frankenstein's lecturing to all his gangs. And he says, hey, listen, you know, this is what we're going to do and blah, 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 and tell them the whole plan. We're going to take over the city. And one of those guys says, uh, you know, I told you something. Uh, if this Fraculator is going to blow up the whole city, it's going to get us to it. He goes, holy shit, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd have to run, get back up to the tower to turn the calculator off. Meanwhile, the mystery men show up and they wind up battling them. And just barely at the very end of it, are they able to turn the fractionator off and save the city? Fun. All of a sudden, the bad guys are trying to fuck the good guys in order to do the right thing. And the good guys are battling the bad guys 
in order to unknowingly do the wrong thing. <laughs> that so would have been awesome. Had really cool in there that I had added to the story was that I wanted him to take that scene out where they turned him into like this Burt Marshall Captain Amazing. And what I wanted him to do is, uh, what's his name, freezes him, okay? And they could demonstrate the fraculator some of the way. They freeze him like a popsicle. And then the mystery men break into Casanova Frankenstein's place, and they, they take this frozen popsicle, and they're running across the lawn with this guy. And they, they're putting him in the car, and accidentally they drop him and break him in half. <laughs> <laughs> so he, they take him, and they glue him back together, right? Oh. <laughs> they have to go back and get the thing that defrosts him. So when they're defrosting him, he's there, and he's, he realizes, my God, what have you done? And then he explodes. <laughs> back together and that would be like cool shit the whole idea being testament or like everything they touch they fuck up <laughs> <laughs> see that would have been much better it's like it's it bad enough they, they break him in half but then they're unthawing him and he realizes what's happened and then he dies man that is just that's incredible with Flaming Carrot and Mystery Men, the status of them has been sort of confusing over the years. And then this recently you had your wildly successful Kickstarter and uh, were able to publish the first time a hardcover edition of uh, the second volume of Flaming Carrot. Is there any more Flaming Carrot and Mystery Men material, like new material in, in the works? Yeah, well, the Kickstarter thing did really well. And now the next thing we're going to go after is either Flaming Carrot, third collected volume, or Thrilling Visions number two. The Kickstarter thing was, let me just say, that was an amazing experience. It really worked seamlessly. I was surprised to see something modern and internet related and everything just work out fine. <laughs> see, the original first volume, we did at $49.95, but it was half the size of the second volume. But because we sold so many copies directly through Kickstarter, we were able to price point Flamey Carrot second volume, even though it was twice as big, at the same $49.95. So that works out really good for everybody that ordered through Diamond. It works out good for the shops. It's just the economics of the thing. It's great. With the success of Kickstarter, that has sort of put me back on the map again, and I think that I can uh, do some new stuff. It's hard to say, okay, here's something I want to do, and I want you to finance me. It's much easier if you go in and say, here's something I've already done, and I want to get back out there. And once you've delivered and proven yourself to be able to do that a couple times, then maybe you can move on to doing something that's totally original, where I'm able to hook up with another artist. I mean, people tell me they like my art and stuff like that, but the fact of the matter is, where I'm really valuable, as I see it, to the comic book industry is, as a writer. I mean, there's tons of good artists out there. There's thousands of them. But how many good writers are out there? You know, five or ten? <laughs> and one of the things about Kickstarter that was really cool was it gave us the opportunity to, uh, say, like, digitize the, the uh, first and second volumes and actually have them for sale on our... BobBurtonComics.com. Yeah. I know that there's a, just a gigantic portion of the people who will be hearing this that probably never read your stuff, and I think that's a cry and shame, so I aim to change that. Yeah, let's see. Uh, what can I give you here that would be a blurb for the uh, latest issue? This is the one that's digital. See Flaming Carrot go on a drinking binge with death in a plastic glove doll. See two dogs kissing by a wishing well. See Congress make green a primary color, and giraffes will eat people's hair. And this features the Arliss Dodger, Brussels sprout flavored ice cream, Monsters Attack a Booty Club, and golf balls the size of hail. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
That was a little clip of the Mystery Men mantra by Mark Mothersbaugh from the Mystery Men soundtrack. Just a clip, just a taste, just a tease. To get your mouth watering to go watch Mystery Men again. <laughs> and just hit the mute button when that montage comes up with that one band. What is it? Smash Mouth. Yeah, just, mute, uh, just hit the mute button. And I know, I know you're saying, oh, I really like them, but you know what? You you're pro- wrong. You probably don't. So just hit the mute button <laughs> and then unmute it when the scene's over. Yeah, that's, so, that's a good idea. And then, and then it's enjoyable. <laughs> Well, uh, how about music we like? Uh, what do you got for us, Hex? All the way from Seattle, Kirby Crackle, with their track Secret Identity, since we're talking about vigilantes and superheroes. And, and highly appropriate, since when we come back, we'll be talking to Seattle's own oh, Phoenix yep. Jones. Totally planned that. Yep. Totally. In, I, I know yep. you did. Oh, yeah. You I'm, clever fella. I'm very good at my job. Totes. Don't fire me. <laughs> nah. Go listen to Kirby Crackle. Enjoy. Tuck my kids in the bed. Kiss my wife on the head. I got a serious smile. Cause tonight I clean the streets. I'm not talking about dial. Spend the week wearing ties. Walk the dog late at night. I take my daily run. And when the weekend arrives, I'm kicking asses for fun. Some would say that I'm unstable now Secret identity And nobody knows but me Patrolling the city streets My ear to the ground Secret identity No HR harassing me And when the sun hits the sky, it seems I've just closed my eyes. And I can hear the sound of morning cartoons and Saturdays come around. Smell of coffee and eggs, with some chores to be made. It's just my weekend style. Nights for busting heads, days for Target and Wild. I'm fine with washing dishes, but I still have dreams and wishes now. Secret identity that nobody knows but me. Patrolling the city streets, my ear to the ground. Secret identity, no HR harassing me.
Welcome back to Nerdy Show Prime. Right now, we're about to do the segment that you've probably all been waiting for. We're going to speak to none other than Phoenix Jones, the best-known superhero in the real-life superhero business. I'm really excited for this. I'm doubly excited. I'm triply excited. So let's just cut to the chase. Here's our interview with Phoenix Jones. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, man. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. You know, when this episode was requested to us to cover um, real-life superheroes and vigilantes, the Rain City Hero Movement was part of the request, actually. So, you know, having you on this is uh, is fantastic. You're definitely, at this point, as of the last couple of years, the, the best-known real-life superhero in the business. I think, you know, that's kind, of a, that's kind of a funny thing. You know, I'm definitely the most well-known of what we do, but there are others. I, I think the difference is that I had this uh, interesting trifecta of uh, an area that was really in need of support who really embraced me and brought me to the forefront because I was out there really fighting criminals, you know? <laughs> that is exactly how ninjas get out of cars. <laughs> <laughs> and, and right now he's uh, he's serving the community, uh, taking care of his kids, um, <laughs> as you can hear. Yeah, I apologize for the background. <laughs> It is all right. It is all right. <laughs> My son just is uh, is really into ninjas right now, and uh, he rolled his window down and just jumped headfirst out of the car. And I, I thought he was going to die. And he <laughs> had a barrel roll, and then he got up and shows that how ninjas get out of cars. And I, I told him I had to tell him it was, and I hope he never does it again. <laughs> so, what got you into crime fighting? Surprisingly enough, my son actually. We were uh, doing a thing at Wild Waves, and we we're down there playing in the water park and stuff. And uh, my car got broken into, and in the process, my son got hurt, and no one helped. No one jumped in. No one was interested in, in being, you know, what I would consider pretty basic citizens. I got really mad, and I, I decided I was going to find a way to, uh, to shake them out of that, to make them want to help other people. And it sort of evolved into wearing a, a costume, and then the costume got kind of famous. And then I put bulletproofing and armor into the costume, and, you know, after years of evolution, it, it turned into being a superhero. When originally it was just I was going to track down the guy who broke into the car, and actually successfully did do that. <laughs> awesome. What uh, what happened when you caught up with him? I have to preference the story with this was a long time ago, and I'm no longer like this. <laughs> um, I wouldn't. I waited in that parking lot for a couple hours uh, every weekend until I caught this guy. When I finally caught him, I, I chased him into the woods and beat the tar out of him, uh, ducked into a handcuffed into a tree, and then uh, <laughs> proceeded to steal all of his money in his wallet. And uh, we feed homeless people a bunch of cheeseburgers and stuff. And then I mailed it to a police station with a description. Wow. <laughs> Dude. But I, I wouldn't recommend that. And, uh, <laughs> I certainly don't do that now. <laughs> well, I'd say as far as, uh, you know, first flights go into the, the superhero business, that's, that's a, that that's is a good, good one. one. That is a really good one. <laughs> No, it was really an interesting experience. In 2011, you were famously outed, and everybody knows your real name now. You know, you got started on this because you're a father. Has that been difficult at all? Is there any kind of, like, say, comic book superhero-esque concerns about, oh, people know who I am now, my family could be in jeopardy because of my identity and all that? Yeah, you know, at first I was really concerned about that. I was uh, really worried, and a friend of mine who works in Hollywood, Peter, Peter Tangen, was able to get a hold of me and kind of calm me down. He let me know that you know celebrities' real names are known for a long time, and there's people and things that are used to block those so that people can't find them. So I, I paid a little bit of money to have my info blocked, and once my info was blocked, I felt a lot better. <laughs> Okay. That's good that there's actually options out there. I mean, obviously, you're not the only real-life superhero who actually does is actively involved with actual crime fighting, so that's, uh, that's great that there's an easily accessible option. Tell us about the Rain City Hero Movement. You put out a call to other potential superheroes. Yeah, you know, 
that has been a tragic disappointment. What? <laughs> So uh, I got about 60-something applications, and out of those applications, I got four people that were qualified, and out of those four, I took them on patrol, and they lasted about 11 minutes before I fired everyone. Oh, man. The people don't understand that what we do is not an ego-driven macho contest, even though it would be fun to have it that way. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, background that has to be done before you can just go count and par somebody up, you know? That's, and uh, yeah. a lot of people aren't willing to do the mid-ground. For yeah. example, every fight I've ever been in that you've seen on YouTube or any video where I stop a criminal, the criminal has punched me first. So here's the deal. I'm a, um, I'm a very skilled fighter. Yeah. So I have to say I felt threatened. And it's hard to feel threatened, right? right. So if someone throws a punch at me and I dodge it, I'm clearly not threatened because I dodge their punch with ease. Now, if someone hits me, that's called assault. And whether I felt threatened or not, I'm able to then respond by detaining the suspect and waiting for the police. So basically, every time we go on patrol, I have to eat a punch. Wow. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right? So, when people are swinging at me, I'm trying to dodge the hard punches and get hit with the light ones. So I can return and actually hold them down. So, do you get a lot of people that are just like, I'm, you know, I'm big, I'm macho, I'm going to go out and just beat up a bunch of people. And you're just like, that is not what this is about. Exactly. Because we see a lot of crimes. Like, we'll see a guy break into a vehicle, right? That's a property theft crime. You can't prove it's not his car. You know, all we can really do at that time is follow this guy and call the police for this location until the police show up and determine whether it is his car, what was right or wrong about it, you know, all the, the details. So while we're following the guys, most of the criminals turn around and try to engage us in some kind of fight or have a knife or a gun or something, and that's when we're able to take them down at that point. But a lot of it's just following them. But the new guys, they'll get kind of amped up on it, and once the window's broken, they run in and, like, tackle a dude. Cops show up and they're like, so you detained a guy who broke into a car, and, you know, you better be right, because if you're wrong, you're going to jail. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. you know? yeah. so it's this really weird line. That's why it takes a lot of self-control. In your call to action for the Rain City Hero Movement, you, you mentioned that uh, you couldn't be a journalist or someone who was going to school for journalism. Is that something you've had trouble with in the past? Journalists who try to get in on your game and end up in the line of fire or something? Like Jimmy Olsen's? Uh, have you seen Green Street Hooligans, the movie? I haven't, no. There's a thing in there about journalists. Basically, whatever you do has to be sensationalized enough to sell a book, right? Right. And journalists, by nature, have credibility because they write well. So mm. the last thing we need is some guy realizing what it is we do and putting out a manifesto that is spiced up and garbage of what we do and making us look bad, or B, putting out exactly what we do and rendering us pretty much ineffective to the criminal community. Right. Okay. Nothing positive comes. There's a little bit of cloak and shadow that goes around with what we do. You know, every time I do an interview with people, I meet them at the same location. We go to the same neighborhood. Everybody's like, oh, that's because that's the only neighborhood he patrols. Well, if you look at my videos, about 16% of the crimes I stop during the video are in the places I patrol with media. Interesting. It's a slippery slope between inspiring people and giving away trade secrets. You know, like a master chef doesn't have you come over to his house, cook you food, and then write you the ingredient list in exactly the time you cooked it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fortunately, you don't have, say, an, an Alfred to let Vicky Vale into the Batcave, because that's just a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I've got a purple rain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about purple rain. That's your wife. Who's also a hero, correct? Yeah. She does um, domestic violence awareness because she was a, a victim of domestic violence. Domestic violence has this really cushy kind of, uh, we can talk this out. We can hug it out sort of feel to it. Yeah. Uh, when people do it, she was kind of the first person to ever make domestic violence real for me when she was just like, no, it's not cute. Stop hitting people. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a, kind of a valid point, you know? Oh, I'm sorry you have an addiction problem. Stop beating women. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, they're, they're two separate issues. I was like, this is a good point. So she made that really real. She launched the Purple Rain uh, campaign, which is a, 
uh, nonprofit against domestic violence. She raised uh, the most money of any superhero other than myself for domestic violence causes last year to a sheet music benefit concert. <laughs> She's amazing like that. So her persona is a uh, sort of a, a public figure speaking out against domestic violence and, and definitely bring a, cer- a certain reality to the uh, the whole perspective. Right. Just don't do that thing. It's fucked up. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah I mean, but then she also has the distinction of being the only female to actually physically apprehend uh, a suspect on patrol. So. Awesome. That, that was You cut me to the chase. That's fantastic. Wow, okay. She has, a, I think, a black belt in some very interesting form of kung fu. I can't pronounce the name, but even if I could, I wouldn't because it would out her uh, thing that she does. But um, we were on patrol, and there was a, a situation where uh, a man was accost- accosting uh, two women. And I went in, and I you know, tried to move the women aside. And the guy took a swing at me, and I dodged it. I come back, and she's taking this dude out. He's, like, on the ground, belly down, and she's got his knee on his back. And the cops came through, and it was really, really funny. So she clearly <laughs> is the... Uh, She's the first woman superhero I know to actually get an arrest by physical confrontation. That's incredible. That's really, really great. Nice. You guys, uh, you're pretty much called superheroes and vigilantes, but you operate inside the law. Is it offensive when someone calls you a vigilante? Because that implies you just do whatever. You know, it is and it isn't. The thing is that people call me vigilante because they don't know any better, so I can't get mad at them for that. Mm. And I don't use the term superhero. I use the term mass adventure normally when I'm doing it. Awesome. the, The other thing is that Criminals hearing about me stopping crime or beating up people or getting arrested for assault that one time actually is really good for me. <laughs> it's, it's a double-edged sword and I don't like it publicly. But when I'm out on the street, they're like, oh, that's a crazy dude. He beats up drug dealers. we got to get out of here. It's kind of funny. Inside, I'm like, that's right. Never done that in my life, but let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> your outfit, your costume, it's interesting in the superhero community right now because it's one of the few instances that actually combines practicality with style as well. It's form and function. Many people have their, you know, their makeshift costumes. It looks like they're wearing battle armor, basically, and that makes sense because they are. Yeah. But, you know, you look like Batman. I think that, you know, a lot of people didn't really think it through when they made their outfits. Then they got what they knew as like known for their style and known for their outfit. Mm-hmm. And at that point, they couldn't really switch it. Whereas my outfit spawned from uh, trial and error, really. I started off with just no shirt and a pair of jeans and a ski mask. <laughs> so I realized being a black dude running around with no shirt and a ski mask is not conducive to, to help from the police department. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like, so like, like slaughter. I've got a much better idea. I'll go with MMA shorts, loose spandex, MMA gloves, a mouthpiece, a sock tied around my face, and a Zorro hat. <laughs> and I was like, hey, this also is not conducive for police help. I've got a better idea. I will throw a velvet cape that I bought at a costume display store over, and this will definitely make me more credible, which also did not help. <laughs> that one, I was like, I know, I'll take down a knife, a guy with a knife. I got shanked. I was like, hmm. Oh. I won, kind of, but I'm still bleeding internally. So, didn't help. so let's get a bulletproof vest on this thing. Then I threw a blue bulletproof vest over my spandex. This was extremely helpful until I realized my black dude dressed like Count Chocula walking around with the bulletproof vest on. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, I was like, I'm going to need more body armor. So we got a ridiculous amount of body armor, like shin guards, knee guards, all these pads that are bulletproof resistant. It was like, yeah, I'm going to cover these up completely. I'll go buy a replica Batman suit and shave the ears off it. Oh. That worked out kind of well until people started calling me Batman. So I was like, I got an idea. I'm not sure Batman. So I started calling me Black Man or Black Bat, which I was like, this is not good. <laughs> so then I went and found a, a custom place that could find a bat suit like material with the V shape that I enjoy from my favorite comic book, Nightwing. Yeah. Gold and black is my favorite color. Body armor because obviously I'm not getting shanked again. And I went out like that, and that seemed to kind of pick it up. But at no point was I worried about losing the image I originally created. 
Because if you look at my first picture of the stopping crime till now, you can't even tell it's the same dude. <laughs> so when you're wearing all that, it's got to be heavy. Is that like 50 pounds at least? Uh, 63 and a half. Oh. It took me uh, it took me two and a half months to train in it to actually figure out how to how to move in the thing. Oh my god! Wow. That's like that's almost as much as me. That's incredible. You got your entire body that's, weight. That's the difference, you know. Yeah. That's what makes me different from the other superheroes in a way, and kind of makes me sort of the I guess I would call it the black sheep of the family. Is that other superheroes kind of were were dorky or nerdy and became superheroes out of lack of option, whereas <laughs> I was a jock and became a superhero because someone made me upset. I imagine when you're not wearing all that armor, you are just lightning fast. Mm. People, people have a vision of what a superhero should be in their mind or what a costume, you know, superhero should be. And then when they see me, they get kind of confused because I'm six foot two, you know, and 200 pounds and just a MMA fighter ready to, ready to roll. So it's kind of funny when people see me, they kind of look at me and go, oh, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you feel like you've got a sort of very real perspective on the practicality of what people would go through in the fictional versions of superheroes? Like, are you able to say critique them now and be like, well, oh, for sure. You're going you're gonna to talk to a lot of other superheroes in the meaning of this show. And then you're in your ticket show. I, I heard you got Master Legend on here. Mm -hmm. You got, you know, uh, you got other people coming on your show. Yeah. And mm -hmm. after you talk to them, you're going to take a step back and they're going to go, man, most realistic one of these guys was Phoenix Jones, but he was by far not the most interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to fight crime. I know the laws. I have a 40 person legal team. Everyone on my team has insurance that we pay for as a group. We started a corporation. We have a security license. Uh, we all train, uh, we all have first aid, blood, blood baths, and CPR. We have a medic on patrol with us. We patrol certain areas. We let the police force know when we're in those areas. I mean, there's not a team that runs smoother than us. But with that being said, there's also not a team that's pickier, harder to get on, or generally not uh, pleased with other people doing things what we would consider wrong. Right. Wow. That's the number one thing um, we hear from people is if you're actually serious about doing this, the first thing you need to know is the law. Like, no matter what, know oh, the law bingo. before you do anything. I mean, people don't realize that there's a lot of laws out there that are just kind of crazy. For example, like, uh, our city has a mutual combat law. If yeah, someone we heard about that. If fight you and you agree, you can shake hands and actually fight. But if you're wearing a mask, it would be illegal because you're concealing your identity. You can only do it without your identity concealed. Do you sometimes just take your mask off and then proceed with the fight? Yeah. That explains it because I, I want to go. Yeah, I, I watched that video and I was confused by that part, but that makes that makes complete sense now. Yeah, I had to take the mask off because you're not allowed to. Because let's say you break the rule and kill that dude, and then you run off. Well, you didn't really consent to anything considering you were covering your face. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. When you're wearing the mask, does it actually impair your hearing? Because it completely covers your ears, yeah, doesn't it? It totally does. I actually yeah. took the inside of the mask and I shaved it down where the ears are. <laughs> so it's just a very thin piece of rubber, but it really does. Is there any poor bastard out there who you would consider like a nemesis who just personally starts crap with you for no reason to get you riled up? Not really. There was a couple of art super villains when I started, but they kind of got the picture pretty quick. It <laughs> was our Sonic. He yeah. dressed up like a flame and lit stuff on fire. But oh the God. police saw him one time and he got busted pretty quick because you can't dress like a flame and light crap on fire. <laughs> <laughs> there was Raw Dog. He used to go around and try to buy people's condoms for a dollar to have more babies in the world. I'm not sure what that was about. What? Um, <laughs> yeah. There was, there was a guy who goes around selling cigarettes and he's just a homeless dude, but he named himself uh, Black Lung and he would go around and try to like sell <laughs> cigarettes to minors. Oh my God. Which was kind of weird. Crap. <laughs> This is ridiculous. Now, now that, that level of like DIY villainy is is a kind of amazing. I mean, it's <laughs> terrible that they do that. I don't understand. Black Lung. It's really weird. Yeah. What about uh, Rex Velvet, um, YouTuber who claims to be a supervillain, recently called you out not too long ago? Oh, yeah. That guy doesn't even count as anything, dude. The guy's from funnierdie.com. Oh, and yeah. And people started taking him seriously. 
he's just he's not even <laughs> he's never done anything villainous or anything crazy. He's sort of weird. I don't know. Hey, hey little buddy. Hey, you wanna show my friend your backhand voice? Let it go. <laughs> Amazing. Uh Batman. What? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> brain dragon punch. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had to give you a, a Batman voice tape. That was wonderful. <laughs> the very one that is he answers his own questions with Batman voice. He talks to him like, what are you doing? I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, does your son have a future in crime fighting? I hope not. I've been shot twice, stabbed three times, broken ribs, broken nose, been made fun of on national television. I think there's probably something better you could do with this time. But with that being said, I've stopped over 250 crimes and, uh, Technically, a homeland terrorist attack. So, some positive things have happened. Whoa, wait, wait, wait! Oh, <laughs> you can just you can what do you mean that? stopped a homeland terrorist attack? So there was a big protest down here on May Day, and because I wear a mask and criminals wear masks, they walked up to me and they were just like, "Yeah, we're going to blow up the federal building." I'm like, "What? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, you guys are kind of dumb. You see the superior outfit I'm wearing?" Holy so I walk over to police and I'm like, "Hey, police!" And they're like, "What's up, Jones?" I'm like, uh, "These guys are going to blow up the federal building in case you want." And he's like, "Yeah, I don't want to talk to you more. Go away." So I did what any other person would do, called my super buddies, put some battle armor on, and ran to the courthouse. Uh, Jeez. We found ourselves in front of the courthouse, and like 60 dudes in black masks and like uh, black gear started charging the front of the building, and we got in this crazy fistfight. At the same time, these helicopters were flying over the top from the news report from the riot, and they caught all three of us in front of this building, pepper spraying and fistfighting uh, these guys off the building. And uh, one of the dudes threw something and they exploded. So we grabbed this dude's backpack and threw it to the police officers. And when the, when the FBI showed up, they opened the backpack and it was full of uh, homemade like pipe bombs. Holy crap. Wow. So the FBI got a hold of us and they were like, technically we're going to call this an act of terrorism because they're from Canada and they came to the U.S. So technically it's, uh, it's a homemade act of terrorism. Oh my God. So we an interview and... Uh, it was a really interesting experience. I mean, even if they weren't terrorists, they had bombs and they were going to blow a building up. And you this, stopped. Yeah, and wow. Well, you guys well, stopped. Bombs wouldn't have been able to blow the building up, but they, wow. definitely, they definitely would have caused some destruction. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, there's video of it online and it was all over like Fox News and stuff. Wow. Dude. Thanks for, <laughs> Amazing. Thanks for being here. Phoenix yeah, Jones. yeah. Phoenix Jones, thank you so much for everything you do. And uh, it's been wonderful speaking with you, man. Hey, you guys stay classy, make good choices, and children. Eat all your vegetables and drink all your milk. You grew up with strong like me. Awesome. <laughs> See you guys later. Later, dude. Bye-bye. Truly, that man has set the barometer for all future superheroes in the business. And I mean, seriously, it's a mm-hmm. litmus test at this point. On a, so, how many uh, how many acts of terrorism have you stopped? Oh, zero? Oh, okay, I guess you're not a Phoenix Jones guy. I like to feel I've stopped point three. No. No. Okay. No. It's a, like a pregnant thing. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're not point three pregnant. Well, what about what about them big big ladies who are, think they're pooping and then a baby comes out? What about <laughs> that? What does it have to do with anything? We were talking about pregnancies. I don't know. No, we were. And we're talking about stopping of, acts of terrorism. Some kind of litmus test involving pregnancy. It, I, it's not important. What is important? <laughs> if is, having is, babies means you're a terrorist, then I'm not having any. You know Ever. what? There, there is a population <laughs> crisis. If you're breeding, you are a terrorist. If you really care about America, <laughs> stop putting out babies. I know you really want one, but the country can't support it. We're Fe- sinking. Phoenix Jones is an exception because, you know, though his kids obviously are going to be know, amazing. He, he, does, he doesn't want them to become superheroes. Clearly, they're the next, you know, Damian Waynes of, of the bunch. Definitely. So it, it's, it's going to happen. Hopefully, uh, you know, if he does follow in his father's footsteps, he'll make him proud.
I mean, that's that's obviously that's going to happen. But they're going to defend the human race against whatever you know apocalypse that we face in the future, or the alien threat that is inevitable. Right. You know, one one or the other. The problem I have is that what if Phoenix Jones becomes a zombie? Will he be a super zombie? Uh, at some point. Well, there's different kinds of zombies, obviously. And yeah. if, if we're talking Marvel zombies who are who are sentient, fully sentient, but so also magic zombies. zombies. Yeah, magic zombies for all intents and purposes. You know, then we got a problem. But if I mean zombies are zombies, it doesn't matter. Yeah, if it's just a normal zombie, if it's a zombie, I'd still be worried. What's a zombie? That they practice Zumba. That, that's a cute name for zombies that run. Yeah. The 28 days later kind of. Why do they make him cute? Those are the bad no, no, ones. No, 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 no. Zombie is a cute name. Oh, yeah, like no, Zoom. Oh, Zoom. I get it now. No, Zoom. No one calls them that in their respective I would call them zombies be running, motherfucker. <laughs> that's the title of your uh, your zombie film. Also, the title that I would give to them is, oh shit, run. Because <laughs> that's what you'll say every time you see one running at that's you. A, but that's I don't know how we name. got on zombies. It's my fault. I'm sorry. I forgive you. I anyway, don't. Hex, what what do you got for us? Well, I got Batman by Spoiler Alert. It's a song that I got introduced to because of Nerdy FM, and I thought it was appropriate since, you know, Phoenix well, Jones. Batman, yeah, for Batman. starters. Batman. But Phoenix Jones also ran around in a Batman costume for a while. <laughs> and I hear we have a guest coming up that is pertaining to Batman. Yeah, well, one of one of the many Batman out there. Maybe some would call him an imposter, but... Uh, Bat-jerk? No, not Bat-jerk. But, okay. Uh, someone we a little bit, get him? Someone with a little bit more clout. Someone who's less of a homeless person. Okay, good. Uh, someone who's, you know, really cleaning up the streets and not Someone that not we could just say, hey, can you come on and not have to bribe yeah. with whiskey? Yeah, we're going to talk to Pittsburgh Batman. Oh, shit. Right now, we're going to talk about vigilantes. Yeah. We're going to talk about people who get their hands really dirty. Vigilantes are superheroes. Well, I, I think vigilante is a, is a very kind of gray area subject. You can be someone who murders people 
and be a vigilante as long as you think that you're on the right side of the law. Is Punisher a vigilante? But I mean, technically, yes, yes. Punisher is a vigilante. He does things that you're not supposed to. I mean, Punisher to. would tell you he's a vigilante. He right. knows he's a vigilante and he kills, you know, crime bosses and, right. and other If you go around killing people, even if they're bad, you're automatically not in when, but then the realm as, of the law. You're you know, a vigilante. It makes you're you a criminal. Villain. It, makes you, it makes you a criminal. But are you killing bad people? Are you truly justified? And that's the question that all vigilantes bad must people, ask. Or are you just thinking they're that bad? Right. And usually, like, Punisher kind of goes out of his way to make sure they're bad people. Unless they're shooting at him, then he'll just kill them. But if they're cops, he's not going to kill a cop. He knows. Right. He goes out of his way to not kill cops. Really? Unless the cop, they're crooked. If a cop, like, walks up to him and punches him in the well, face. But even gonna... he knows that, you know, he needs to wound crooked cops. He cannot kill crooked cops. Because right. you kill a cop mm. and, you know, that's, you it's all over. What does Barracuda fall under? Oh, Barracuda, Punisher's nemesis. He is just a straight-up criminal. He's, he's not. He? If I remember correctly, I mean, the dude's a hired gun. That's not important. That's okay, not yeah, we're there. not here to talk comics. No, we're not. Well, we, yes and no, but well, basically, yeah. vigi- from a vigilante perspective, you could say Phoenix Jones is a vigilante, except that he he obeys the law. He does everything with he's the not law. Out, he's Nowadays. not he's not outside the law, and I think that uh, you know an actual vigilante is completely outside the law and does what they need to do by whatever means yeah. necessary. Now, there's the question of whether they're misguided or not. For example. Recent thing in the news, a fella named uh, Christopher Dorner, he was a police officer, and he's accused of killing a police officer, wounding two others, and killing the daughter of his police union representative and her fiance. Now that sounds like, oh, that dude's just a straight up criminal. Yeah. yeah. He says he's a vigilante. Why? Why would, what would justify killing all those people and a daughter? There was a case back in 2007 that he took really personally. He said his uh, training officer kicked a mentally ill man during an arrest in 2007. So, so he killed all their family. And the he, uh, <laughs> he ruled the complaint unfounded and there was a case and um, and then he, he got fired and he challenged that in court later on. And it sounds like this guy is mostly misguided. So it sounds but, like it was like that event was the domino that crashed yeah. around his life. Yeah. It, it sounds like he's like he's a cop. Um, He's straight. He wanted to do something good. And because he tried to do something good, he lost his job and part of his life. And that just, that would piss me off. It's It's like you're doing the right thing and then you get shot down. There was a manifesto that was released where he blamed racism and corruption in the LAPD for his termination and vowed to wage, quote, unconventional and asymmetrical warfare against LAPD officers and their families. He called it a last resort to clear his name and strike back at a department that he says mistreated him. Yeah, see, if it he sounds a little the, too personal. If he left the family part out, kind of. Yeah, gray that, that's, area, that's, but that's no. dark. He's killed someone's daughter. Yeah, who had nothing to do with What's it. What's interesting is this is obviously a worst case scenario. He thinks he's a vigilante, and maybe we don't know the whole story, but it's tough to validate that. Yeah, there's a huge manhunt on for him now. Wait, he Pe- hasn't been caught. He hasn't been caught. People are saying it's the largest manhunt in Southern Californian history. It's you know centralized around Los Angeles, but they've been all the way down to Mexico. They've been all the way to like Big Bear Lake. Oh gosh, he's I all the was- way to Big Bear. Texas, our resident Californian. I've been there. I've been there. It's really pretty. It is a lot really of hiding pretty. places. There is, in fact, uh, from the city of Los Angeles, a uh, $1 million reward for information leading to his arrest and conviction. For vigilantes, when you're doing this whole thing of justice and whatnot, you can have the higher ground when you've been wronged, but the moment you do certain actions and you lose the higher as, ground... As, as, as soon as you hurt an <clears throat> innocent person, it has nothing to do with it. I, think. Yeah. I mean, it's like, think Batman. Batman has... He injures people. He doesn't go as far as to kill someone on purpose. No. He goes out of his way to make sure that he doesn't kill people so he doesn't lose the higher ground. Even Punisher, like, he makes sure that he protects the innocents and he doesn't go after family. And he'll take a bullet for them over making sure that they get caught in the crossfire. Right. Because, but he's also in a comic book because he's he's still painted as a hero even though he is a mass murderer. Yeah. 
And I mean, even when he's painted as a psychopath, he's still a psychopath who has rules that one could agree on as, yeah, you know, that's not good, but that it ain't all bad. Right. You know, back in the Old West, it was a time when things were different, things were a little weird, and back a lot, to the future three. lots of people took law into their own hands. You guys ever heard of the bald knobbers? Wait, 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 excuse <laughs> me. And I'm not talking excuse about me. your weekend activities. <clears throat> excuse me, did you say <laughs> ball knobbers? Bald knobbers. Bald. Knobbers. Bald? Bald knobbers. B-A-L-D. Yeah. Like bald eagle. Yeah. Bald <laughs> knobbers. Bald knobbers. Bald knobbers. Yeah. Okay, what are the bald knobbers? Uh, they were a large group of vigilantes active in uh, the southern part of Missouri between 1883 and 1889. This is um, <clears throat> post-Civil War um, by... Um, by you have some gunslingers back there? That was all vigilantes. Well, this is uh, very organized. And these guys wore creepy as fuck masks. Talking about like uh, red and white bags with horns on them. That sounds awesome. Awesome. Yeah, they were sided with the North in the Civil War, but they actually had their nemeses, the anti, the anti bald knobbers, who were uh, for the Confederacy at the time, um, <laughs> and they had white bags over their heads with no horns. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone thought they were ghosts. I don't know if they wore bags, but I'd say it's a distinctive possibility. Uh, <laughs> What they originally called themselves were the Citizens Committee or the Law and Order League, but because their secret meetings were held atop a bald mountaintop in order to keep a lookout for spies, the public began to refer to them as the bald knobbers. I'm sorry, the, the what were they called? The bald knobbers. No, no, no the, the uh, Law and the, Order the, League. The Law and Order League. The LOL? The Law and Order League. <laughs> <laughs> LOL, JK. <laughs> bald knobbers. The problem that they were that they organized to fight was that the, the whole area was plagued with marauders. Like that was a problem. Like Are just, marauders people with rapiers and they steal your gold? No. It's no. not too far from that, but yeah, I mean basically uncontrollable violent criminals taking advantage of the lawlessness of the countryside. Like Billy the Kid. I don't know much about him, but I think that he probably was not a marauder. Well, and Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, he's a pretty decent guy. Yeah, no, so it's not not him. We're no. we're talking about like really rough and tumble. Oh, Genghis Khan, because he's a dick. <sighs> Probably getting You like Khan. them titanium bats, though. Yeah, I and think, Twinkies. We'll, apparently, we'll, we'll say we'll say the Genghis Khan's the world, right? The, God the, damn the, it, the American God. Genghis Khan's. So they formed to stop all that. But then, in the years they were active, they actually got so big, like hundred plus people big, in a region that had maybe a few thousand people. <laughs> it got out of hand, and their violent actions, because they were killing people for good in theory uh it kind of and then it became killing people for fun yeah <laughs> so it started off as a good cause and, and devolved the, and, into something you know crap. and then the, and it was a small rural area so there was a lot of like uh family rivalries and stuff it's very unclear some of the political dynamics what was going on there their leader was assassinated it was claimed it was self-defense and then there was a, se a separate chapter who were the ones that had the most ornate weird bags on their heads uh, like with tassels and stuff on the horns <laughs> And their boobs. There's a whole Wikipedia article on it. We'll link to it. But shit got real. There was like four people who were hung. One guy was only kind of hung and they had to rehang him 30 minutes later. Ugly shit went down. Bald and one of them was hung, bald but not around are his weird. neck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a horse. Fast forwarding a little bit to the 1970s. This is one of my favorite vigilante groups. This is a gang called the Lavender Panthers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me about them. I don't understand. Is that not like the Black Panthers? It's it's like the Black Panthers. It's the same time period as the Black Panthers, but it's uh, another minority that was considerably less represented, especially at the time. Re what minority could possibly be less represented? Uh, gays. Oh. So, 1970s San Francisco, obviously a pretty gay okay place well, as they now, come. Now it is. Now, and, and back then still a bit better. However, when people wanted to, you know, persecute against them, 
the police weren't doing anything. Well, they never did. And Right. And so because of the, the revolutionary time period and so on, they took matters in their own hands. They were formed by Reverend Ray Brochiers, an openly gay Pentecostal evangelist. Whoa. Wait, wait. Okay. Only on the news recently have I heard of such a thing. And you're telling me that happened in the 70s? Yeah. What? And uh, he put together a posse of 19 gay men and two lesbians who all knew some form of martial art, judo, karate, kung fu, maybe some street fighting. They patrolled the streets and wielded uh, chains, billy clubs, whistles, and cans of red spray paint as a substitute for mace. Huh. Their purpose, as uh, Reverend Ray candidly put it, is to strike terror in the hearts of, quote, all those young punks who have been beating up my faggots. Which cigarettes, is, obviously. Which is a hell of cigarettes. a quote. Wow. Where did that uh, milk guy factor into this? Milk guy. Oh, Harvey Milk. Yes. Uh, I don't. I don't <laughs> That's know. That's what I meant. Okay. I, I have no I idea. Obviously, guy. we're not well versed in this. But how, I, it's, it's weird that I don't hear much about this movement in modern day when it kind of started I, I, things. I know it's it's pretty significant, and it was actually reported on in Time Magazine, October eighth, nineteen seventy three. And I'll, I'll link to where you can read this article. So it did get some coverage. But you know, these guys should be legendary as far as civil rights stuff. I mean, people are taking the law in their own hands and and you know putting the hurt on people who are treating others differently and being violent about it. Here's an actual report from that article: Four San Francisco teenagers recently got the surprise prize of their young lives tooling around in their souped up car looking for a little fun they spotted two homosexuals leaving the naked grape a well-known gay bar the youths roared to a stop jumped out of their car and began to push the homosexuals around suddenly a brawny band led by a man in a clerical collar leapt from a gray volkswagen bus and lit into them we didn't even ask questions said the reverend ray brochures 38 <laughs> we just took out our pool cues and started flailing ass <laughs> but flailing ass in the like beating up kind Right, exactly, okay. not the other way. That was for afterwards. Uh, the teenagers fled into the night, only to return ten minutes later, begging for their car. Look, man, we don't want no trouble. <laughs> wow. Yeah, <laughs> Lavender Panthers. That would be that would suck. You get out and you're like, oh, I'm going to pick on these people because I think they're poor and helpless. And then you get your ass beat by a bunch of people. Yeah. Well, that's why you shouldn't be a jerk. That's, yeah. That's victory. In my Lesson eyes. number one: Don't be a dick because you never know who's going to pop out. Vigilante justice. Rah rah rah. You don't know who's going to pop out around the corner and beat the crap out of you. Never. Yeah. <laughs> ever ever it doesn't matter where you are where you go you got you got to remember what master legend said about when someone's coming up from behind you yes exactly be ready for the two punch blammy <laughs> unless you're the bad guy then don't be ready for it <laughs> just <Yeah>. take it <laughs> uh you guys ever heard of la sombra negra no but it translates to the black shadow is and, it the black version of the shadow <laughs> no, it's a it's a vigilante death squad based in El Salvador, Whoa. Uh, made of police and military personnel. Who and went after vigilantes. Uh, this is them taking the law into their own hands and uh, and fighting against the gangs that run rampant in Central America. The guys that they're especially hard on are <laughs> hard on um, <laughs> not the bald guys. Um, <laughs> are a, a very large Central American gang that originally started in Los Angeles called uh, MS13 is how they're shortened oftentimes and. Uh, these guys, they're tough. They're a serious organization. They're known for covering their bodies and faces with tattoos and so on. But uh, La Sombra Negra, who've been active since the mid-90s, do in fact put the fear on them so much that uh, lately they've actually been hiding their tattoos or getting them removed. Wait, so this is current? Uh, yeah, mid-90s to current. This is the thing that happens, and it's very poorly documented because uh, they only have, I believe, 17 or 18 confirmed kills from the Sombra Negra, but... 
that doesn't mean there's not a shit ton more because obviously they've been active a long time and all they need in south america is more people killing each well other. i know i know it's not great it's not great the way they the way they execute people is uh they uh they blindfold them tie their hands behind their back and uh fire uh assault rifles at them at point blank range in the backs of their heads oh. aha fun what a pleasant trademark yep that's good right it's good well now i'm hungry for spaghetti that's as dark as we're going there. That's as dark as we're going. That was pretty dark. So let's go to the, the lighter side of things. Yay, the lighter side of things. Do you guys know about or do you remember the Justice Trolls? Wait, wait, wait. The Justice Trolls? Yeah. Is that the sequel to the movie Trolls? <laughs> no. No. No, no, no. Justice Trolls, they did a To Catch a Predator series on YouTube. Um, oh, yeah, 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 you remember this? Those that don't remember, like an example was someone who would connect with someone who's looking to connect with a little girl or something. So they do stuff and like then that. show yeah, up as Batman. Oh, you know what? I have seen that. <laughs> yeah. I have seen that. Yeah, we'll link to where you can see the videos online. The original, it's amazing. The, the original people actually took them down, but they've been reposted a number of times. So if the links don't work, just search for the Justice Trolls or To Troll a Predator is the, is the name of the series. They, it's amazing. They basically, they pretend to be a young girl. A pedophile comes out, and then Batman comes out. And he's like, this guy's a child molester. <laughs> he does sound like that. It's hilarious. It's really, really funny. But these guys were very serious about outing these child molesters and so on. What happened was last year, shit got real and the police came down on them hard for recklessly endangering themselves by doing this. I like how they're doing a good thing, but because they're endangering themselves, which they obviously don't care about, they get in trouble. But it's okay that they've outed pedophiles on videos that aren't being arrested. That's okay, though. Well, uh, one of the problems was in one of the videos, Batman said he was with the cops. And that is uh, a heck of a criminal offense. Yeah. Is it? Yes. Oh, I guess impersonating. Right. Even even though no one would believe you because you're a Batman. You know, you're in the. He can just say, you know, in the heat of the moment, there was this bad man. I just, I just said, I work with the cops. Scare. You can't just say that though. Mm. I've been, I've been using that for years. So there was also a a flash with a false mustache. But they they had a whole Justice League (laughs) of people who were going to troll these predators, and they they kind of set themselves up to do more videos, but had to pull the plug. So as, as funny as they are, they're still trying to stop complete D-bags. Essentially it came down to, quote, the police do not condone vigilantism. Well, like they, that's, they never, on paper, they do not. Off paper, some of them probably secretly do and wish they could do it. You know, but fortunately, these guys weren't charged with anything. Like, you know, the police were like, all right, guys, all right, all right. And they, you know, they, they let them slide, which is, you know, which is great. Just keep in mind that if any of you listening to this do decide to be a vigilante or a superhero, you're probably going to get shot. Five months ago, actually, they posted, as a comment on one of the YouTube videos, there will be a time when the city of Chilliwack will need Batman again, but that time is not now. Maybe right now, all you need to know is that the pedos we've exposed have been caught and locked up in Blackgate Prison. So, I don't know if that's a confirmation that they have all been locked up, but uh, hopefully. Where the hell is Chilliwack? Is that real? It's in Canada. Oh, so they did all this in Canada? Yeah. So that's where all the pedophiles are going. They're everywhere. God. This is your fault, Hex. What? Here's the thing about real-life superheroes and yes. how they fit in with vigilantes. They're just people. And in many cases, they're people who have been pushed to go to extremes to uh, protect others or maybe even just to feel better about themselves by doing something that they consider to be right for the world. There are times where it can go wrong. And though there aren't too many cases of documented official real-life superheroes, people who are operating in some kind of semi-official capacity, I do know of at least one who's flown off the handle. Fortunately, the result wasn't too bad. Uh, there was a fella called Beasting who was charged on two counts of a felonious assault and wearing body armor during the commission of a violent crime. Okay, so felonious. Beasting? Beasting. One word, two capital letters. So as in like a sting from a bee? From a bee, yes. Okay, I didn't know if it was like a 
making the word beast a verb. Uh, no, okay, I get what you're saying. Beasting, beasting, but no. Beasting. No, that, that's, that's a special sometimes, thing that mommies and daddies do together. Sometimes I go to the farm and I'm like, man, I'm about to get some beasting on. And then I get kicked out and arrested. <laughs> Don't go beasting at a farm. They do not like you to put your seed in their goat's daughter's belly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to bee sting. Here's, right. here's, here's what he, the guy um, fought a man at a trailer park. Uh, as far as anybody can tell, as far as anything I've read, uh, the guy's crime was that he had a motorcycle that was too loud. And, uh, and <laughs> get off and, my lawn, and then you kill someone for right, it. Right. And here's the thing bee sting, dude was patrolling with a shotgun. How is that a bee sting? And it went, oh, j- just a bee sting, son. And it went off and it hit a, a trailer. Which was fortunately empty. This all happened in the trailer. Say the trailer exploded. Um, <laughs> Did you have a costume? His costume was uh, very similar to Mr. Extreme's, uh, not as colorful or cool. Oh, goggles. But you know, yeah, basically whatever u- utilitarian. Yeah. Okay. In fact, I can tell you all of his gear. Level four bulletproof vest, armored jacket, pants, gloves, pepper spray, drop leg holster with sidearm, tonfa, handcuffs, first aid trauma kit, video camera, flashlight. Doesn't mention shotgun there, but yep. Uh, Level four armor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it takes it's a lot a, of experience points it, to wear level four armor. Yeah, it's a plus four magical bonus. He's a ranger with a uh, preferred enemy, a motorcycle. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> apparently motorcycles are his weakness, so he has to stop them. Or he, loud was a, he was a soldier in Iraq, actually. Um, and uh, That almost have, makes the loud noise thing understandable at this point. <laughs> yeah, it could be a PTSD thing. I mean, it, mm. it may, it's possible. He was part of the Michigan Protectors, but um, they have kicked him out because of his decision to carry a gun, which presumably they didn't know about. A shotgun. I mean, carrying things, a, a gun shotgun. is kind of... That's crossing a, a line. Yeah. I'm sure there's a circumstance when it's necessary. Yeah, but, but patrolling you can't, with a shotgun. You can't, you can't go looking for trouble when you have a gun on you. That's really frowned upon. Yeah. You can't be like, I've got this shotgun. Let me see if I can use it today or stop anyone with it. You can't do that. I mean, you can, but it's wrong. It's ill-advisable. Yeah, it's ill-advised. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Just don't. <laughs> Jackass. So right now we're going to talk to someone who does take the law into their own hands, but uh, they do it for justice. And they do it in the style of their own city. Yeah. We're going to talk to Pittsburgh Batman. Let's call him up. Hello. Hey, is this uh, Pittsburgh Batman? Yeah, it's Pittsburgh Batman. How's it going? It's going pretty good, man. This is Cap from Nerdy Show. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My publishers told me is we're going to call me, yeah. Uh... Yeah, nice, nice. What's going down? Well, uh, you know, we're conducting an interview for an uh, episode we're doing about real-life superheroes and vigilantes. And we were really impressed with your videos. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was, uh, it was tough setting up all them uh, hidden cameras and whatnot. But yeah, it got, got the job done. It sure as hell did, man. Look, so we wanted to get the lowdown. We wanted to get the perspective of a real-life working-class superhero such as yourself protecting the streets of Pittsburgh. No doubt, no doubt. Well, what do you need to know? I guess, why do you do it, man? Like, you, you, gotta, you gotta get out there every day at all hours, you know, saving the ass of people you don't know. Why do it? Well, you know, that's a good question. The answer is pretty simple. I get real upset when I see people picking on other people. I've been that way ever since I was a kid. That's how my mom raised me. You know, and then one day I thought, it might be a good idea to start doing something about it. Because people are always sitting around, you know, bitching and not doing nothing. So I says... I'm going to dress up like a bat and go out and start doing something about it. Right on, man. Right on. You know, in, in one of the videos we saw, you got your exploding Steelers ball. I was wondering what, what other stuff you got uh, in your arsenal. I got all kinds of stuff. Uh, that, that's the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. I got a hammer. <laughs> good old-fashioned hammer. I'll smack a guy's mouth, break, you know, take his teeth out, make his jaw stop working. 
I got a got a hatchet. I can throw it, stick it any place I want. I got some uh, some of those ninja stars, but they're shaped like you know they're shaped like a bat. They do a nice job. They're razor sharp. Got to be careful not to cut myself though. But you know I'm getting pretty good at them. Uh, I got a hockey stick, like uh, you know Casey Jones from the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He's probably like that a lot. Right on, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it, that does a nice job. You can smack a guy, you know, in his back or his legs or whatever. I got some guns, you know, nothing too fancy. Getting tough these days. Keep the guns around. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, got some guns. They do a nice job. I'm real careful with the guns, you know. Not I try not to kill people. You know what I mean? For the most part, some guys are such jags that it happens incidentally. But you know, I shoot the wound. You know, uh, right. Got some other stuff too, but I mean that's that's the, that's most of it. You know, I got all that crap, and then plus you know I got my fists. So I'm pretty handy with my fists. You know, I'm a big guy, but I can do some uh, pretty good uh, karate moves and stuff like that. I mean, probably my my most effective weapon, I know that, is my brains. I use that all day, every day. Never stops working, you know? Right. I mean, fists in your brains, that's all you really need. I'm sure you've been in some tight situations. No doubt. No doubt. Oh, my God. Yeah. You ever have trouble dealing with the, you know, the law in Pittsburgh? They ever come down on you? Uh, oh, my God, yeah. They're, they're the worst. I'll tell you what, they're they're almost as bad as a, as a cook's. In this time, oh yeah, I know what it's like down in Mickey Mouse's house or wherever you live at. But uh, yeah, up here, uh, cops are a huge pain in the ass. They drive me nuts. Drive me absolutely nuts. I've gotten pretty good at you know just avoiding that. That's mostly what I do these days. If they're there, I'm not there, and if I'm there, they're not there. That kind of thing. That works out best. Is there any kind of mutual respect there at all? Do they, uh, do any of them, you know, acknowledge the work you do, or is it just uh, two bulls going at each other? Nah, you know, cops are more into, they're more into shutting people down for doing stuff like, uh, you know, smoking weed or driving too fast. Uh, they don't like having to deal with actual crime, you know, like actual bad guys beating people down and, you know, murderers and stuff like that. I think of them as like, you know, they're just a bunch of jagoffs hired by the state to generate revenue, you mm. know, whereas I'm actually out there trying to help people out. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what they think about me. I don't really care. You know, I right. kiss my bad butt. Right now, you know. <laughs> Do you have any sort of ritual or anything that psychs you up every day before you go out and fight crime? Oh, uh, you know, I like uh, listening to some tunes, like some uh, some Maiden. You know, I like rap music too. You know, a lot of guys in this band aren't big rap bands. I like some rap. Pump up some Ghetto Boys or something like that. 90s stuff, you know, like some old Ice T or some Public Enemy, something like that. Get me going. And um, mostly I just I like a nice cold beer. You know what I mean? Not too many. You know, I'll crack one first thing in the morning. Gets me balanced. Gets me ready to go. And uh, and that's about it. You know, gets my mind sharp as a tack. You mentioned rapping all that. I know you've been uh, working on some kind of uh, big PR stunt with uh, with the guys from Grand Buffet. What can you tell us about that? Uh, those are nice guys, you know. I thought they were kind of weird at first. You know, they're definitely uh. Yeah, they got a song about that. Yeah, I know. That's one of my favorites, actually. Uh, you know, they're not bad. You know, I don't think they're as good as like you know the aforementioned masters of the art. Right. But, you know, for a couple of white boys, they do okay. And uh, yeah, we're putting on a little show, a little stage production, uh, in a couple weeks here in the Berg, and it's just uh, you know, it's going to let people know in a fictional context, you know, what what my day to day is all about, and uh. You know, they're, they're talented guys. They did a nice job, and they wrote this play, and I'm going to star in it, and, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be in it, too. So I think it's going to be a blast. I ain't getting paid no money for it, which I'm a little upset about, but those guys are kind of broke, you know, so I'm going to let it slide. Do you have a day job? 
Uh, I do, but I can't really tell you about it because that would give away my, you know, secret identity and whatnot. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to kind of get get a feel for, you know, if you were Batman 24-7. Oh, speaking of, I mean, uh, technically, you know, you're, you're Pittsburgh Batman. So, uh, I mean, what's the situation with you and the other Batmans out there? I don't really know nothing about them. I know there's a bunch of, you know, fan videos and every time seems to have some jagoff likes to put on a Batman costume and put crap on YouTube. And I think to the non-discerning eye, I probably seem like just another one of those. But, you know, to each his own, to each her own, people can think what they want to think. I don't really care about, you know. I was at a bar the other night. This is a true story. And some Jagoff was dressed up as Batman. And he's passed out in the green room. And I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? It took us half hour to wake him up and get his buddy to pick him up. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, that stuff goes down all the time. And I just I try not to think about it too much. I don't really worry about it. The show that's going on, uh, that's going to happen uh, late February 2013, uh, 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Where's that happening at? Uh, it's at this place in downtown Pittsburgh called Brico Lodge. It's a little uh, artsy-fartsy uh, playhouse. There's the website, PittsburghBatman.com, and that'll have all the information about uh, where to get tickets and whatnot. And that'll give everyone all the information they need to know about where it's going to be at and how much they got to pay and all that crap. You're on Twitter. You ever, like, get any leads on crimes through Twitter or anything like that? No, I'm having a real tough time getting followers. I don't have a smartphone, so, uh, you know, I can only tweet when I'm in my house or, you know, my boy's house. So, uh, you know, it's a process. I'm hoping maybe when this play comes out, I'll be able to do a better job of using Twitter. I don't even know how to retweet, to tell you the truth. (laughs) We actually have a lot of fans here who dream of one day going out and becoming a mass vigilante and fighting crime, and that may or may not be a good thing. Uh, Do you have any advice for any aspiring crime fighters? I'd say before you go out and do something like that, make sure you do your homework. Learn about the municipality's laws, learn about federal laws, find out what you can do without actually violating any statutes or any charters. It's complicated. It's not easy. You can get into a lot of trouble doing stuff like this. And uh, as much as I think cops are a bunch of pussies, there's a lot of them that got a lot of guns and they can make your life real miserable, even if you're just messing around. So I'd say my advice would be just do your homework. You know, you got to be smart to do stuff like this. You can't go off and do it and have cock. You got to know the law. You got to watch your back. Who do you think the real supervillains of America are? Uh, that's a crazy question. The Yins aren't going to make me real popular by asking me that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the supervillains are the guys putting the drones in the sky that are going to be watching our every move and zapping us with space lasers if we don't pay our taxes. I'd say those are the real supervillains in this country. But, you know, what do I know? I'm just a jag-off dressed as a bat. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Pittsburgh Batman. It's been a pleasure talking with you. I hear good things from the citizens of uh, Pittsburgh. I know you're doing great work out there. I know it's a it's a hard town. It's tough. Yeah, it's rough. And and look, man, I, I hope to come out and catch your play. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice. Even though I'm living up in Mickey Mouse's ass crack, you know, I, I got some uh, I got some Sky Miles, so I'm going to cash them in. I like how that sounds. So that play is happening February 21st, 22nd, 23rd at the Bricka Lodge yeah. in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You guys want to come out and see that, see Pittsburgh Batman in action, find out what it's all about. The gentlemen from uh, Rap Group Grand Buffet are going to be there. Definitely, uh, I'd say the first must-see show of the season for all you theater goers out there. Absolutely. So what song do you got for us, Cap? 
Well, Hex, first of all, I'd like to say that I am indeed going to be at the February 21st show of Pittsburgh Batman in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In fact, one of our listeners, a guy who goes by the name of Magnatus, who built the Villa of the Mysteries on the server of Awesome, actually lives in Pittsburgh and uh, and hit me up already. If we got any people in Pittsburgh, definitely come out, say hey to me. I'm going to be at the February 21st show of Pittsburgh Batman. Awesome. So as far as what track we're playing, well, you know, we talked about Grand Buffet real briefly and uh, they got an album called King Vision, which is all about, uh, you know, secret societies and uh, government and, and other agencies trying to manipulate people and so on. So this is a track called Dark Autumn. This is a track about resisting uh, forces that try to control uh, the way you live and uh, taking the law in your own hands in a lot of ways. So here we go. Dark Autumn by Grand Buffet. Containing a strange animal gland secretion or a chemical frequently named as the cancer-causing agent. You can dance and be vacant. You can bitch about television with shitty stations. You think the answer is to kill my TV? I'll blow your microwave up. It doesn't play DVDs or video cassette tapes of inspiring films. It violently rearranges food molecules and kills nutritional content. Traditional heating keeps a modern man's logic from rotting during a power meeting. Moderate well-being just isn't adequate. Quit. I must be equipped for no matter how bad it gets Ambivalent sometimes, but diligently soldering Together the suit of armor I dream of modeling Nobody tries to avenge or resist Things they do not believe to exist You and I both take advantage of this Every time we speak Will we confirm or deny what is known? Will we condemn or compete for the throne? We are Atlantis, Egypt and Rome Participating in various victimless tomfoolery And later on I was elusive and tight-lipped Only surfacing when certain statements required nice quips Now it's a balancing act Different day, different hat You got a picture of an avalanche, I'll look at that Spaghetti dinner at a cattle ranch, I might attend The daily dosage recommended I'll exceed And then I'll send a letter to the manufacturer Stating that I am not a consumer, I am a capturer I'm not affected by things I get outside of If love is light When the night strikes, I would like love Shining a bright beam, blinding an unseen Century-old entity sent despite my dreams Before it regains sight, I'm fully awake Stirring its evil energy inside a protein shake Nobody tries to avenge or resist Things they do not believe to exist You and I both take advantage of this Every time we speak Will we confirm or deny what is known? Yeah. 
With us in the studio, we have SciTech correspondent John West. Who, Hi, John. Hi, John. John is our SciTech correspondent, as I said. And, uh, and the he, closest thing we have to a team engineer. Right. We're here with him because we want to get a feel for what kind of gadgets we can use. Because here's make. the thing. Like all of our listeners, Brandon has wanted to be a vigilante for some time. Yes, without going to jail. Without going to jail. and um, That is the hard part. Mm-hmm. But a big part of that also means that Brandon has to make sure that uh, he's on a higher playing field than the someone police. who, well, also the criminals. We all know the basic stuff that a vigilante needs. You need a police scanner. Obviously, yeah. that's just, of course. How, how are you going to find crime without a police scanner? You need because it. Because all Patrolling. of a sudden the police show up and you're in trouble. Unless your magic power is to sense where crime is. And I think only Spider-Man and, maybe and can do that. Typically in real life, which is, you know, the topic of this episode, one does not have the magic powers unless you're, say, a Wiccan superhero. And then I'd say that that <laughs> sort of predictive thing involves a large ritual. But if, yeah. you're, if you're if you're Wiccan, you probably you, watch you, too much Buffy. You, you whip the Ouija board out of your backpack and you just quickly Will scan. there be a crime and, today? Uh, and by the time maybe you, by the time you're done, there's a policeman standing over your shoulder, being like, oh, "What the fuck are you doing?" And and you're <laughs> you're you're halfway through cleaning up your goat's blood and everything because you don't want to leave it lying around. You turn, and you turn around and you got all your stuff going. Your candles are lit. You just look like a crazy homeless person. Basically, you're a police brutality statistic waiting to happen. So <laughs> so Wiccan superheroes definitely don't do the. Ouija Ouija board on the go thing is what we're saying in short right here. Now, John, if I was trying to be a real vigilante and not a Wiccan vigilante, <laughs> Wiccan vigilante, that's funny. Um, <laughs> how would I get, say, to the top of a roof really quick? Like, would I use some sort of grappling hook, spring shoes, jetpack? What is the most logical way, and don't say a ladder, I'll kill you, to get to the top of a roof <laughs> when you're a vigilante? You know, Suction gloves, right? No lasers. Well, lasers wouldn't make any sense anyway. Obviously, a ladder <laughs> would actually be preferable, oh, I but know. beyond that, stairs... Well, could you make, like, a compact ladder that I can fit in my belt that'll sustain me and get to the top of a roof? Do you want a ladder that you can just carry around with you and then... In my belt! In your belt. And then it goes, boing! (laughs) 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 Not my penis, but the ladder. No, obviously. The other thing is, though, is why the hell do you want to get up on top of the roof anyway? Okay, say there's some shit behind... Okay, how about the roof? The roof, right? The roof is on fire. (laughs) But we don't need no water. (laughs) So we're gonna let the motherfucker burn. But if we weren't going to let it burn, we needed to get to the roof because we're that's superheroes. You need to be on a roof if you're a superhero. The, the dealio, though, is, is that, like, instead, okay, you need to scout out a position. Why the fuck are you going to be this strange man on top of a roof because that people might notice? People don't okay, so let's, let's change the scenario then. Drones. If you're, if you're, fucking drones. Actually, that's what you do today. We have drones. That's what the gov if does. You're, if you're asking that, here we go. There is a large wall Brandon needs to get over because he's being chased by, by okay, I'm at a, Yeah, I'm at a dead end. There's a large wall in my way. <clears> I can't jump it or climb by, it. By Doberman, the man who has Doberman. Yes. And, and, I'm, not, and I'm not... I'm not the drone, which is the famous superhero that only uses drones. So how do I get over this wall? Um, all rights reserved on that concept. Not the portal gun. It's not real. <laughs> okay. Yet. Well, no, no. Okay. So okay. parkour one is, is the is the drone. That's yourself right there. It, the drone has. A, there's another person who who fights the drone, obviously, and that's you know that's the app, and his catch line is there's an app for that, and then he. he <laughs> Right, so is he, he, is like he Christian Bale being is Batman. he a nemesis or is he is he a supervillain? Like he he just uses apps for everything, and so he hijacks the he has an app for hijacking the drone signal. He turns his drones against the drone. Well, I mean, ironically enough, that's actually a legitimate concern. I mean, you know, you could use it for or against, really, right? Like the whole entire point about there's an app for that. I mean, <laughs> there's when, an app for that. I started thinking about like because justice. 
there's an app for that. Like before <laughs> smartphones came out for a brief period, I was kind of like, oh, hardware is really, really cool. I'm just going to start delving into electronics and that kind of stuff. And so I started thinking about all this stuff. But a lot of the ideas that I came up with then have been like completely superseded by a ubiquity of cheap electronics and like iPhones and other smartphones. Uh, you know, of course, you know, if you're a superhero, you probably have a fucking Android because you hack the shit out of it. So <laughs> superheroes don't use smartphones. There is tip number one from John. If you use a smartphone, you're lame. Apple smartphones. No, it doesn't the give Apple you enough power. Androids, you can hack to do whatever. So yeah, you can do anything you, you know. want. You can make them a little bat computer. We still have not tackled this problem of getting on or over a wall. Parkour is an option. However, no, 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 that's not a technology-based <clears throat> thing. Exactly. You are Spring a tech shoes. expert. We're asking you, what are the tech options? I'm lazy. I don't want to exert much effort to get over this wall. I'm not going to jump. Well, obviously, you need a uh, mobility scooter with a grappling hook. Well, I mean, the, <laughs> the, the situation Can my segue have sticky wheels and just go up it? You, you put this fast pace. There's a Doberman. Now, there there was a group working on a grappling hook like uh, Batman's that actually, you know, does all the work for it you. It has the really super strong Yeah, thin super string. strong tension, and it's basically a fucking grappling hook, and it can auto-lift you up. Okay, so that does exist somewhere. Yes. It's expensive as fuck. It's expensive as fuck. Mostly because of the string. Whether or not you could actually get it up and over the wall in a really, really good way, fast. You know, I, I've never used it, but um, I would recommend, obviously, a mixture between parkour and grappling hooks. In addition to that, though, you're also familiar, of course, with the uh, those tiger claw crazy things. Oh, I'm I'm familiar with the ninja, the ninja yeah. tiger claws and ninja feet. Yeah. Yes. Well, so, those so are still legitimate tech. Because here, here's always been my complaint with grappling hook guns. Yes. I know how difficult it is to like try to get a grappling hook onto something on the first try. And that's my point. And then you right gotta there. reload the gun and then you still have to climb it. You still need arm strength. Right, because like you shoot it up, it misses, and then you have to suck it back in and then try again. That's okay. assuming you didn't get hit in the head. Right. So far, this is what we've come to. You're gonna be a vigilante, Android smartphone, uh ninja claws, you know, for hands and feet, don't and a grappling rely, hook. Don't rely on working yeah. part on moving As- parts. Especially if you're going cheap right now. It's very practical in the real life superhero movement for you to uh, you know, have practical things, certain kinds of body armor. At least starting certain, off. Right. Some basic things Dragon here. Skin. But if we're really going to take this to the logical extremes that real life superheroing needs to break the threshold into the world of the fantastic and bizarre, you got to have a gimmick. But if you do, you do have one gimmick that they go in. You do have to use, you know, what's available to you. How customizable are these things? They just, is it too practical? I'm saying are real life superheroes condemned to a world where their uh, color coordination is all that defines them? They all have the same equipment. Well, they're not technically superheroes. You put on a costume, you learn some martial arts. You're not a superhero. You're a hero. You can't fly. You can't shoot laser beams. You don't have a gadget that's going to shoot at someone and explode unless you have a grenade. Then you go to jail. So, I mean, you're not really technically a superhero. So once they have gadgets, they become a superhero? If they made them themselves and that damn smart, I would say so. Are you guys familiar with the um, bodyguard made by Armstar? No, what what is that? I don't I don't believe it's on the market yet. I mean, I know John is. Is that the Darth Vader glove thing that we've talked about before? I thought. Uh, Wait, is that the thing where you can hold it up and like deflect bullets it, and knives? It's like Batman's own glove. But can it actually? What does it actually do? It's bulletproof. You can punch people and electrocute them at the same time, and it'll hold your iPhone. Seriously, or your I think Android that's actually one of the smartphone because you want fits. an Android. Yeah, um, it, it's uh, it's I believe co-produced by Kevin Costner. 
It, I'm looking at a picture of it, and it actually looks really cool. It was it was designed by a friend of his, and I believe that Kevin Costner funded the the initial project. Well, my birthday's know. coming up. It's uh, there, there's a couple <laughs> variations of it. There, there, so this is a thing that's it's being developed for either personal self defense or military or police use, and it's basically an omni tool for but for physically beating the shit out of people. Yeah, like it well, it's like an omni tool of destruction. I'm worried that if you hook your smartphone up into it, it's gonna get stabbed or it's gonna break when you punch someone. It, it like it's sounding like if this was in the Marvel or DC or some other comic universe, if this got into the hands of some guy, they would be a superhero or villain with this. Well, you know, there's gimmick. schematics all over the internet for the power glove now not the nintendo power glove but for years it's been the one where you make it out of batteries and you can electrocute people by touching them oh wow that's been all over the internet you can actually make it and solder it yourself and there's whole plans on how Did to you do see it the guy that had like the pyro oh the two yeah. flamethrowers in his hands yeah, yeah these if you there know you anything about any of this stuff you can make it and find blueprints online we're not condoning going out and finding schematics how to make like weapons of mass destruction or any weapons whatsoever right like but they so do the, exist the is all anarchist I'm saying. cookbook which is something you should not have not really allowed to have yeah, anyone, you probably shouldn't have that everything else is there you know it's just it's one of those things though right like there is a hell of a lot of tech just laying around i mean you, you got your obvious ones you got your body armor some of them are better than others obviously uh you've got like tasers you've got like cattle prod shit um you've is got it your possible obvious police batons to have a suit that when someone hits it they get electrocuted and it doesn't hurt you i mean it seems a bit you know, not possible. It, it'd be possible, but you would be so likely to actually electrocute yourself. Like maybe, like you, that. maybe have to be, have to be layered inside of some like, yeah, like an insulated. insular suit. Yeah, and th- which would yeah. then slow you the fuck down. And even then, yeah. if someone punched you or something, and they got a shock, they would quickly move their hand away. And then you, basically, your weapon is hugging them, and you probably. <laughs> I'm the hugger. You come here and you look like you look like you dress yourself up to look really oh, huggable. And there's your superhero like, right like there. The, 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 the Michelin man. The yeah, Watch look, out! It's the cuddler! You just... <laughs> let's talk about uh, you, masks which you, you've got. Yeah, uh, you guys seen uh, bulletproof masks before? There's actually bulletproof masks? Yes. They've got to be insane. I'm imagining expensive. that they only work for like... I would, imagine, you, you, I would imagine your face is all kinds of fucked up afterwards if you take a hit, but... Uh, because, uh, yeah, they look like Jason hockey masks. Because if you get shot in the chest with a bulletproof vest, you're still like... You know what? Getting sh- if you're gonna get shot in the face anyway, you're gonna die. So you might as well look fucked up with a mask on, and then you can just keep the mask on. No, I'm just saying. And, uh, like, like, there's a gentleman here who, who made a Hello Kitty bulletproof mask, so that's oh, pretty nice. cool. Oh, nice. There's a Hello Kitty Keeping on it. Classy. That like looks it. awesome. It looks like Vega from uh, Street Fighter. No, it seriously does. It's really cool. <laughs> now, the problem I've always had is I don't know what kind of vigilante I would be because I'm obviously really short, so I'm not that threatening. I'm not huge well, and muscly. So is Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's huge and muscly. He's got fucking adamantium claws coming out but he yeah, ain't I mean, real like, yeah wolverine is short but he's also stocky brandon with your secret muscles that's that's my name secret muscles <laughs> no but like i wouldn't i wouldn't know what my gimmick is or what i would do i love using archery you know i've got i've got a bow that's the size of me which is hilarious I mean, there you go you you'll just but i you'll, love everything else too you'll fit the uh, the the archer can i fit archetype? video games into it because i like them or birds yeah kid Icarus. i love birds you could be kid Icarus. can i have a bur- bulletproof bird mask Cap, be Kid Icarus. Sure. You, if you should be Kid Icarus, I'm just gonna be Shadowhawk. It's done. What? Kid Icarus? <laughs> Kid Icarus? I'm gonna be an angel baby. Yep. Let well, me wear a white toga. You're the one and who shoot the people video game with reference. light arrows. You get a backpack with a glider in, in it, right? <laughs> How do I get on top of the building to glide off first? John, grappling hook my way off to a well, building. You're the one with arrows. Grappling hook with arrows, idiot. 
Oh, I do have that one with... I already have those arrows! <laughs> with the string attached, and it's really strong. That's right, ladies it. and gentlemen. He is already kitted up. I do have my recurve bow, like, and it's made out of a polymer that doesn't rust. It's like uh, some sort of metal recurve bow. And I've got a fishing, like a really expensive fishing reel on it where the arrows are these huge fiberglass arrows with like a really thick string, you know, in case, you know, fish or sharks try to bite through it. So I can just kind of totally shoot an arrow up top of a roof and hope it catches. Or into a person's lower jaw and then, and then pull reel them back them in. to you. And they're like, Ugh, I've got you now to the police. And they have like a five inch hole in their chest because the barbs just come out. What was he doing? Jaywalking. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Always have your dog on a leash. <laughs> it's like just, I'm just pulling a dead dog along the road, like from the oh, arrow. God. I'm getting my arrow back. Hold on. You're pulling the guy away. Now are you going to litter again? <laughs> or when someone litters, I just spear the litter. Or their hand. Or someone lights up a cigarette. Classic style outside of a place. They're not supposed to light up a cigarette. You see my arrow just go whoom, right through the cigarette. It goes right through their lungs. <laughs> That'll teach I, you. I kind of imagine it going through one cheek and out the other. <laughs> Could you imagine you running down the street with a giant bow? There's no way I'm going to conceal it. That would not be allowed. You might be able to find a folding bow, though. Well, they, it comes you apart. You know, like, like Hawkeye is. Like, I could, you know, whatever. In the movie? I'll, I'll be in the shadows. That's why I need to get to the rooftops, John. So the better vantage point. It seems more like you'd be a check. vigilante is, assassin. Is that then. Hawkeye bow a movie thing, or is that a real thing? I am not familiar with it at all. All sorts of other weird shit, you know. But like Hawkeye bows. I think if I would be a vigilante, I would. I would want to incorporate birds into it. You could have a a, a sidekick hawk. No, I want to be the hawk. <laughs> I want to have little talons and a bird beak and little claws on my feet, and I will just jump all four of my my fucking parts onto a person and just claw the shit out of him with my face <laughs> i'll peck his eye out well what about you john i mean you you you've you told me not too long ago that you were seriously considering uh he would be a science crazy vigilante in fact i don't think john could be a vigilante he would actually if he started making all this technology he would actually be a mad scientist unwillingly he would become a mad scientist and someone would have to stop him john more, you need a lab yeah. you need to buy property that is nothing but an underground lab and like a giant well, power plant on that. top it, a power that, Station number on one top. thing is having all the shit tons there, of money. There is actually a reality organization that deals specifically in uh, underground lairs. He's Wait, not making this. I'm not making this up. This completely. Yes, this but you completely can't do true. it in Florida. Well, that's <laughs> this northern Florida. Well, no. I mean, it's no. You can't do it in Florida. It's it's not creating new environments. It's repurposing old environments such as abandoned missile silos yeah, and other yeah. disused places. Okay. Basically, the ones that the government doesn't fill with sand sometimes fall into disuse and sometimes I turn remember into uh, uh, Penny Arcade doing a comic with this and there were oh, yeah? undercrows. Undercrows, eh? Yeah. Undercrow. But those yeah, crows that burrow under the ground and they Monstrous crows that burrow underground and live there and dwell there and are cyclopean of... These are my people. <laughs> Where have you seen them? <laughs> I must go to them. Uh, I, here it is. 20th century castles. That's that's the uh, the name of the group. <laughs> Do they have anything in volcano? <laughs> no. Well, well, let me see what they have for sale. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Secret passages. I would be a vigilante that's borderline a bad guy. Probably turn into a bad borderline? guy at some point. I envision you. You didn't put your shopping cart away. I dead. En I envision so you as someone route. who Useless. you think you're a superhero, but all the other vigilantes are hunting you, like Hitler. Is that where you're getting at, Hex? Because I find that offensive. I was, I was leaning towards Deadpool. He thought he was a good I was guy, leaning, too. I was leaning towards Deadpool. Oh, I love Deadpool. I know. But you know who's better? Squirrel Girl. <laughs> Except I'm not that athletic. No. And I can't control but I was squirrels. just I was making the comment of, in your own messed mind, you think you're doing the world a service. 
I am doing the world a service, Hex. All of these people are stupid and ignorant and have to die because they can't put a shopping cart away or throw their trash into a trash bin, which is literally next to their foot. If they can't even do that, they are a waste of space, and I deserve to sever their head and put it on a pole for all to see. I'm sorry, but that's going to happen. They have an Atlas F missile base uh, site up for sale here. Like uh, an Atlas rocket it, missile it was, base? They have a drastic price reduction here. It was originally $4.6 and I guess in this economy, it's been brought down at the moment to 955000 Holy is, shit, we could is, actually get that It thing. is truly a buyer's market. Can we raise that <laughs> much money on Nerdy Show to buy an underground secret base for, for you know what, for all of the Nerdy Show fans to I go would to, love to and like, party? I would love to, like, for some reason, <laughs> trick Brian to go to this like surprise why am i here you're never leaving we made you an evil lair (laughs) (laughs) that'd be great the nerdy show underground lair and anyone of our fans can go and you know we do crazy science stuff and become vigilantes and and concealing the base is a luxury log cabin oh my god it's perfect it's just like shadow complex or cabin in the woods yeah wow like, yep. do you have to enter through the log cabin? Or? Uh, I'm not. Uh, Hex, kinda, kinda why that wouldn't way, but... you enter through the log cabin is the important question. <laughs> do I have an exit for my boat? Oh, and naturally it has an airstrip. <laughs> Does it have naturally. a bare rug? Uh, it's not, a I'm luxury not... log cabin. Uh, what do you oh, think? I don't know that it's furnished. I don't know that it's It's furnished. a panda bear rug. <gasps> oh, how sinister. It's David Bowie's panda. It's no biggie. <laughs> I'm looking at these photos here. Like, definitely go to this episode's page and check this out. It is something. If, if any of you nerdy show listeners are independently wealthy and you choose to buy this, please the let us know. We would 000. love to party at your um, Atlas Missile Silo. In the Adirondack Mountains, New York. I think wow. uh, Nerd exactly. NYC now has a venue. <laughs> it's right outside of Gotham. <laughs> no, seriously, Hex. <laughs> <laughs> so, so getting back to That being... is like a thing that is happening now. So getting back to being a vigilante, right. I, I still have villains. one other question no one, no one has solved for me yet. And the question is, John, someone pulls a gun on me. I'm 20 feet away. I don't have specifically any armor that's going to block. Say I'm not wearing a mask and he's shooting me in the face, right? What would I do to suddenly stop him from shooting me from 20 feet away? He's about to get his gun. What can I shoot or throw or do? Hmm. It's off the top of your brain. What would you have? Flashbang. Okay, flashbang. Done. Now, how do I make it so it doesn't blind me? Like Close your eyes. Simple problems. Simple solved. solutions. Simple Alternatively, solutions. if you were a crazy, and, and this is really the problem, we know all you guys, you know, the practical crazies out there actually doing this stuff. You don't have the time to make your flashbangs wirelessly connect to your sunglasses to turn them dark. <laughs> Can you Real do that? Real fast. Well, you what know, about, you might what, be able transition to lenses fast enough now? No. no. <laughs> no <laughs> Don't buy not. a pair of transitions and think your flashbang I mean, is going to you, be good. I mean, if you like, if you like push a button and then toss the flashbang, but at I, that I'd point, be cool with that. Like how many, how many Wait, turns? If, if do all you, you got to do is close your damn eyes, don't, don't you don't. Well, have, no one's going to see you be I so cool. I have a speed of seven, and they have a speed of four. So technically, I might be able to get off two movements before he pulls his gun. I think if that's well, how it works in real pulled. life, the gun is already pulled. I mean, life is only what sixty frames a second. <laughs> I just two movements to his one because I'm small and fast, so I could probably pull that off. And if you toss something at him that looks like your grenade that person is going to back up real fucking and fast with phosphorus grenades which i well they are phosphorus right basically i believe you can you have a bigger <clears throat> chance of getting a critical hit in real life obviously there's more chances of critical hits and right. failures so yeah is it actually illegal to carry on a flashbang I mean, that's, that's a very that's good question one of those good questions i mean there. it is it's a not... light grenade and if you suddenly threw into traffic you would kill a lot of people so i think it is but seriously how, how the hell do you find people to go after right forums 
You walk the Are streets. You, you, you walk the streets. Crime well, but I mean, okay. Police so scanner. Here's an, uh, yeah, police, well, police scanners, scanners. But then you know where the police already are. Right. And are you stopping random acts of violence? Or are you actually like, you, you know, a, a bigger, detective? A bigger picture. We're going are you after Batman someone. the detective? Or are you Batman like Soldier Boy, like punching people? Where are they? Yeah. Like, where are they? I like That's what I'm talking about right there. Soldier Boy? So, so. Oh, Superman that hoe? You can buy yourself Wait. like these actual wireless trackers that. You put a SIM card in, and they'll actually, like, send you text messages with the GPS location periodically, and you can set, like, how often. And they don't cost fucking anything. A couple hundred dollars, and you can track down the drug lords and where they go. A couple hundred dollars isn't nothing. It's nothing for being able to track <clears throat> down somebody without, you know, even trying. It's true. That All is pretty sweet. Is Wait, so I can, put, I can put magical chips on people and track them? Well, not necessarily on the people, but certainly on the cars. But They're about the size of a deck of cards. Because it's hundreds of dollars, so I want it back. But you know, <laughs> like, you also well, after you die. beat up the criminals, you can yeah, just, you just like go to their back. car and take it back. So what have, what have we got so far? Bulletproof masks, Kevlar <laughs> Bulletproof vests, armors. We've got the ninja claws and feet for climbing walls and flashbang grenades, flashbangs, which are just all practical in every video game. Have we thought of using a gun? Armstar products. No. Well, okay. If you're going to be more like the Punisher and you want to use a gun, you better damn know your gun rights in the state you're in. So yeah. ten twenty life. It's not worth it for me to carry a gun because I mean you might get killed without one. But you're going to go to jail forever you, if you use it the wrong way. You're definitely revoking superhero status by carrying a gun. You are 100% a vigilante. And uh, you're what taking laws in your hands. I just want to point out that we were okay with uh, with Brandon here shooting arrows through... Arrows well, are different. I, that takes over skill. Over the record, were we actually okay <laughs> yeah, with were, that? Were we okay with that, Hex? At what I point wasn't did, okay at what with point that. Did we oh my god, that? guys, what about a gun that shoots flashbangs? <laughs> I'm serious. That's gun, called a grenade pellet? launcher. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. There hasn't been a superhero with a theme of grenades. Is it Darkwing Duck? He, you know, I knew he, I was going to throw that in there sometime. He, he does. Let's he, get dangerous. He, his entire like gun thing is all different grenades and ammo so yeah that's basically and that's also how it wound up running down in splinter cell was you know i mean like a lot of what he had wasn't like really an assault rifle it was this like this grenade kind of firing thing it shot like these um rings that would effectively glide through the air and like they were sort of like non-lethal rounds but they would, like, fly silently and hit people in the head and with such a out. force to knock them out. What about tranquilizing darts? Like a small gun with a tranquilizer dart. Well, I mean, part that's of the good, problem right? with that's dosage, of course. But, and you know, I mean, in enough the end, you're still firing darts at somebody. to fell an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get down to the blow darts thing. Like blow darts. Uh, we're, thank you very much, John, for this, uh, this insane discussion. But we um, haven't even <laughs> talked about laser sights for the blow dart gun yet. Well. <laughs> you want to put a little hoodoo on it? Make, be a little, like... Medicine man with a blow dart gun, if that's your whole motif. I'm trying to imagine like an old school native blow dart gun with a laser pointer <laughs> on You want to run around with like some tribal gear on and shoot people with blow darts, if that's your thing, it'd be pretty cool. With a laser sight. With a laser, just a laser sight. Add a little bit of technology in there, it'll really throw people off. When they see you <laughs> running around in tribal shit with a blow dart gun, and there's just lasers coming off of it. I think the whole point of the blow dart is that they don't know where you're coming from, and the laser sight gives that away. you should get on the roof or hide in the shadows. A nighttime job, obviously. What you need is a laser pointer in one hand, a blow dart in the other hand. You just, <laughs> you just shine the laser pointer in the eyes, you're like, oh, God, what, what is that? <laughs> dart, dart in the neck, drop on the ground. Easy. Like we said, you know, Nerdy Show does not uh, condone any vigilante activities because nope. we said so. You, yes, you do that at your own risk. We're yep. not going to say you should do that. But uh, we we'll, will not have any Nerdy Show endorsed vigilantes on our watch. Yeah. Nope. Uh, thanks to John for humoring us, though, and uh, and talking about all that. And thanks to all the amazing people who are on this show. Master Legend, the guys from Skiffy Town, Phoenix Jones, of course, and uh, Pittsburgh Batman and Bob Burden. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Nerdy Show Prime. Thank you 
you so much for supporting Nerdy Show. I'm just going to say that preemptively because if you liked what you heard, then all you got to do is give us a single dollar and you can get cool nerdy perks in the mail and hopefully a little bit more if you really liked what you heard because we need uh, money to survive. We're a listener-supported podcast. You make us possible. One dollar gives you a buttload of perks and gives us one dollar closer to our monthly goal of being able to keep surviving. Yeah, not just us, but the entire network of shows and Nerdy FM as well. The 24-7 nerd music radio station, which if you're not listening to, you damn well should be. And you're making me cry. It's nerdy.fm 24-7 till Spider-Man's dead. He's crying. And thus the river of Hex is born. Praise be. No! (laughs) Stop! Hex has a religion. Look it up. No! Anyway, anyway, anyway. Since we were talking about a power glove in that tech segment with John, Mm -hmm. I thought it was only appropriate to talk about another power glove. It's so bad. It's one that is so bad. God damn it, Hex. It's so bad. Uh, It's so bad, in fact, that DJ Cutman and Ben Briggs had to come together to make it good. Well, that is so bad that it is good. This is a power glove VIP. This is the original track, and they have a whole mixtape with a bunch of awesome remixes. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Super rad. And uh, so, well, I guess we're going to sign off. I guess it's time to say goodbye. It's been quite the adventure. Thank you for joining us. If you want to suggest a topic for a future Prime episode, just you wait. We're going to do giant monsters and their natural enemies that we got that one left but uh, in the months to come you will see another nerdy show topic drive in 2013 if you want to do a topic let's say just drop in things uh, uh birds maybe or you want to do a no. topic on maybe digimon what? or uh yeah you know stuff like that no you, know, you can choose whatever you want yeah, i mean you can do whatever you want but do something that well, doesn't suck yeah brandon brandon will be leading both those discussions <laughs> anyway uh here's power glove by ben briggs and dj Cutman. bye i'm cap bye i'm hex bye i'm brandon enjoy
crank. The internet's stupid. But anyway. Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. Nerdy Show is made possible by A Comic Shop, Nerdapalooza, and the generous support of listeners like you. Genital support. Oh, come on now. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on the iTunes, or making a contribution in our monthly support drive. I've got no money. Well, chill out, man. Any size contribution gets you Nerdy Show audio and images, like even a buck, and it lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com and click the support page to chip in. It's easy. wait outside 7-Eleven long enough, I'll get you a dollar. Uh, hey, that's, you know, whatever works. will be in quarters, but that's all they're <laughs> going to give me for the bus. <laughs> well, look, for more episodes of Nerdy Show, as well as other fine programming, community forums, videos, articles, and more, you should head over to nerdyshow.com. And you can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes store. For the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. Okay.